Welcome to the Garbage Pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and 28. Remanded in custody. There's something ripping curious about this broadcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the TGP or Garbage Pod brand Christmas special. Why do I say Garbage Pod brand? Well, basically I'm merging two podcasts together for a Christmas special. So we we have the Garbage Pod and we'll also have TGP Nominal. So we'll have all sorts of things going on, uh, lots of Christmas bits and pieces going on, lots of sci-fi. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Star Wars will be mentioned. But before I carry on with the show, I've got a few uh, dials and things I need to uh, muck around with here because I I need to uh, beam somebody into the show. So if I just uh, play with this a bit here... And we should have... Mr. Taylor Shearer. How are you doing, Alan? Ah, very good evening, and a very good day, and a very happy Christmas to everybody. I'm playing with my festive slinky. I would have had some bells ready, but unfortunately, um, the bells are otherwise occupied with the tree. (laughs) So I'm left with my Christmas slinky, which you probably can't hear, but anyway, there you go. There's my Christmas slinky. (laughs) How are you? Yeah, great. Busy time, as it always is at this time of year. Isn't it just? And... um, I'm I'm just starting to edge into that uh, feeling at the moment. It, I, this time last week, I wasn't quite feeling it, but I'm I'm, I'm getting there now. I I usually do my shopping on the 24th, so I'm I'm a couple of days away from uh, from starting to feel festive. I <laughs> said, <laughs> so unfortunately, this is an audio podcast because uh, you would be able to see that the the microphone stand uh, that I'm using at the moment actually has Christmas lights wrapped around it. <laughs> oh, in fact, in fact, I've just remembered. I've got I have got a little bell. I've got a little bell that my son put on my microphone stand along with a yellow rubber duck (laughs) it's probably a good job you can't see that but but there is there is a little bell there and uh and and a little yellow duck you'll just have to trust me on that i'll maybe (laughs) send a picture over for you awesome so um well hopefully we're going to have a, a guest on the show um on the first part of the show Uh, And then later on, uh, when it goes more into the TGP nominal, um, I will be bringing in my um, my co-host from TGP nominal, John Berger, um, who, if you're a TGP nominal listener, you'll know all about him. But if you if you if you don't, John Berger is from uh, the other side of the pond. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he brings that. transatlantic feel to the show even though he's he is an anglophile is he he is indeed he he like he likes it over here does he he does he likes his tea (laughs) and and he like he likes his round trees fruit gums Crichton, what's in this box it looks like a small red dwarf garbage pod sir what a full one 
No, sir. We stopped using the small ones a long time ago. Well, let's open it then. Oh, God, that stinks. I thought you said it was empty. Sorry about that, sir. Sometimes the little suckers get away. That's disgusting. Oh, no. It won't close. There's a message, sir. Say, Merry Christmas Garbage Pod to close. Ah, oh, Crichton, you know I hate Christmas. It's the only way, sir. Well, I'm not going to do it. That stench. Come on, sir. You can do it. Just a little one. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay, anything just to get it closed. Merry Christmas Garbage Pod. Look, sir, it's working. There now, sir. That wasn't so bad, was it? Ah, humbug. Merry Christmas, Garbage Pod. Bye-bye, little fella. I'm involved in, uh, in, in a couple of podcasts now, and uh, one of them is incredibly humorous, and uh, it's about a British guy who went to America, so he went the other way round, and, uh, oh my word, it's so funny. I, I think I might have to read that to you. Can, can, I, can I read that to you? Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Seeing as, we're, seeing as we're talking about Anglophiles and, and people in America liking Britain and going the other way. Sure, sure. Okay, right, this is from Batsby. Uh, Batsby has a blog and he writes daily, but every Friday he always puts something funny on. And uh, this this Friday, the 18th of December, uh, this one when he, uh, this is the last one he put out, and it's entitled Skinny Dipping. Don't you love those research shows, articles which the tabloids love to use to pad out the copy? Research shows that married people tend to be in relationships. Research shows that if you lead a healthy life, active lifestyle and skew social drugs like tobacco and booze, you will live, on average, a more miserable life than those who hate you for your healthy, active lifestyle. Research shows that those who have money and great jobs generally feel better about them themselves as a result. But who would have thought that good old research would show that that it's not we red-blooded meat-eaters who are responsible for climate change, but the very people who blame us for it. Now, he's going to get into a little bit of climate change, but trust me, it's worth it. So let's stick with it. Yes, it's true, or as close to true as these things get, which is to say, probably not true at all. That lettuce cultivation is three times the planet killer than yummy, sausagey, bacony pigs are. Researchers at Carnegie Mellon University have, quote, found that many common vegetables require more resources per calorie and produce higher greenhouse gas emissions than some types of meat. As a result, sticking to a vegetarian diet may not be as beneficial to the environment as you think. In fact, it might be helping to destroy it, end quote. Now, that's what I call bringing bringing home the bacon. All that hippy-dippy stuff and the current warm spell has climate scientists. I think they're a bit like the team at L'Oreal who give us the science bit, so concentrate. <laughs> all in a tiz as they desperately try to refrain from conflating current observations with their expectations and declaring barbecue summers, frost-free winters and southern England having a similar climate to Florida within a decade. A bit warm for my liking, but an old friend of mine retired to Naples in Florida 
Florida a few years ago back, and he is, as they insist on saying over there, loving it. Ron picked up a few acres for next to nothing and lived in a motorhome for a couple of years as he self-built his cabin, and now he has the place fixed up pretty much how he wants it. He has an eco-friendly, timber-built, low-energy house with a four-car garage, a splendid deck with solar-heated hot tub, and a sprawling, well-tendered lawn at the front. Okay, he went a bit native with the lawn ornaments, and his chain-link front fence says keep away in a cheap and cheerless manner, but he still has room for a huge pond out back, where he's let nature create a little haven far from prying eyes. One beautiful evening, and that could be pretty much any day of the year down there, Ron grabbed a good book and headed down to his pond-side terrace to chill out and watch the sun go down. He took a bucket with him to gather a few oranges and lemons from his trees. It's quite away from his house, so at first he didn't hear the noise. But as he got closer, the sounds of what could only be described as frolicking reached his ears. It wasn't the first time. Kids today don't have either the respect or the fear we felt towards our elders. And as he stepped onto the terrace, he saw a group of young women, naked and swimming in his pond. He stood and watched for a moment, grinning. Hey, pervert, one shouted as they noticed him. How long have you been staring, old man? Another taunted. Ron suggested they might want to get off of his property. As one, they pointed to where they had abandoned their clothes on the bushes, and a third said, Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? We're not coming out until you leave. Ron carried right on grinning and took a seat on the edge of the lake. For a few seconds, nobody spoke. Then Ron sat back on the recliner, indicated his bucket and said, Hey, I don't mind, ladies. I only came down here to feed the alligator. <laughs> <laughs> so Batsby always puts something out that's funny and humorous on uh, on a Friday. So I look forward to those, and I add them into another to the other podcast that I do. So that's the latest one, and it just kind of shows you that things can go both ways. Definitely. And the thing is with Florida, though, you're saying that the you know the the, the temperature can be nice all year round. But you do get those storms. <laughs> yes, there are one or two go, that go through there, aren't there? And oh. they are pretty, um, what's the word? Vol- volatile would be a Volatile, <laughs> yes, yes, volatile. <laughs> I mean, it shows you how uh, forceful these storms can be. They, ev- You know the, the tray liners that you get in McDonald's? Yes. They even have special ones of those with things that you should do in case of a hurricane. Really? Written on them, yeah. So, so we get, like advertisements or something for the kids to colour, which is basically, you know, uh, 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 you know, like the golden archers and the, the clown and, that and kind a of thing. burger and stuff. Yeah. And, and they get instructions on what to do in a really bad storm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ad- advice like, you know, the different radio stations that you might want to tune into to keep updated with uh, what's happening. <laughs> well, it's useful info. And it's got to be better than advertising. <laughs> That's for sure. And you've only got to look at the names of some of the, the, the teams, the sports teams around there. You've got things like the, uh, well, you used to, I'm not too sure these days, but you used to have things like the Tampa Bay Lightning and the um, Orlando <laughs> Thunder. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Bless. Wow. Yeah, so, so um, whilst Florida does sound like... Um, like the place to go if you want sunshine and you want nice weather 
I suppose it has a downside as well. Yeah, I mean, well, we went in, uh, we, we avoided the time of year uh, where you get those kind of storms, uh, which was November. And it was around about 28 to 30 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. And the local people were complaining that it was the coldest November they've had for years. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> they need to travel more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were there in shorts and T-shirts, and they were there in cardigans and things, you know. <laughs> well, I'd been out today, and it was blowy and windy, and I I had some shorts on and a T-shirt, and... Um, and that was enough. I mean, I was only going to the car and back, but, you know, even so, you know, when you get out of the car and you walk into a shop in shorts in, in this weather, people do kind of look at you a little bit strangely, but to be honest with you, it was the first thing that came out of the cupboard, so I just put them on. That's usually how it works. Yes. That's <laughs> how it works for me. Now, <laughs> I'm going to start off with um, one of our more festive stories. Okay. Um, And this story is about a resourceful dad that has created the ultimate child-proof Christmas tree. I don't believe it. There's no such thing. (laughs) And what he's done is he's he's hung his five-foot festive fur from the ceiling, complete with baubles and tinsel. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to do it. Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, no, no, it isn't. (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. Now, for our um, overseas friends who might not know what we're going on about there, it's pantomime season. It is. <laughs> and I was at a panto yesterday. Awesome. I love, Robin Hood. I love them. Um, we've got a really weird one locally this year. We, they tend to have some very unusual stories for the pantomimes in the local area. And this year, it's Hercules. Hercules? Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was Excalibur. Um, aunt isn't... Uh... <laughs> uh, not not the most traditional of titles. No. No. Uh, <laughs> but interesting. Yeah. Uh yeah, we've got we've got Robin Hood this year and uh, they journey through the enchanted wood of Sherwood Forest as Robin Hood and his motley band of merry men clean up the annual archery contest, wind up the wicked sheriff of Nottingham and battle to rescue the maid Marion from his evil clutches, all without laddering their tights. Which is a a trick if you can do it. Uh, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I'm just looking to see who is in it. Let's have a quick look at the cast. Right, the sheriff, uh, Sean Williamson, is the sheriff of oh, Nottingham. Oh, very much. I know him very well. I, I used to work at a, a company who said I looked a bit like him. Ah! And... Um, because there was two marks in the company, they used to call me Barry because that was his character in EastEnders when he was That's in it. That's right. Now, there's no mention <laughs> of EastEnders until right at the very end. You know when they do the rhyming bit right at the very end? Yeah. Once they've had the final song and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, he does a rhyming bit. Um, uh, he says, I've been so mean, just like Janine who pushed me off a cliff. Or <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> Oh, and dear. Uh, Mimi Mimi Edwards is Robin Hood because once again, um, if you're from the other side of the pond or somewhere else, um, the principal boy is always a girl. Yeah, and, this is confusing. And she <laughs> has great legs. 
I, I have to, I have to say she has great legs this year. Well, they need to be so that they can slap their thigh. That's right, and there's a lot of that goes on. <laughs> um, Ian Marr is uh, uh, Dame Double Top. Now, Ian Marr has been the dame at uh, Kingsland Corn Exchange forever. He does it every year. He's, he's, and he's not a radio DJ, is he? Ian Marr. No, I don't think so. Because it's usually usually the, the, the local radio station have involvement in it, and it, they normally play a dame. That's right, that's <laughs> right. No, no he, he's not on the radio. Uh, but Will Scarlet is played by Stephen Kinman. Now, I believe he works in kids' TV. Okay. I'm not that oife with... Um... <laughs> <laughs> with kids' Tom- TV these days. No, me neither. Uh, but Thomas Renshaw is little John, and he is about seven foot eight. He, made, he, he put it this way, he'd look down on Chewbacca. Wow. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Gill Hooley is made Marion. Ray Griffiths is uh, much the Miller's son. Now, Ray Griffiths is a little person. Ah, right, okay. And uh, I think he's... I think he's you know, he's he's one of those he's one of those uh, one of those little people who's in everything. Yeah, that needs a little person, and he's probably on the books of Warwick Davis's uh, agency. Yes, indeed. And Phil Cole plays Friar Tuck. Uh, and Phil Cole, he's not one I've heard of before, but he plays Friar Tuck. Who, uh, if I can give a spoiler, um, it, it turns out that Friar Tuck is actually King Richard. <gasps> Shock horror. Okay, then. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. I've I've given away the end. I've spoiled it for everybody. (laughs) Well, the... the, uh, I I cannot actually remember what the pantomime is in my hometown uh, of Aylesbury, but I do know that um, one of the old... (laughs) Uh, X Factor winners is in it. <laughs> oh goodness me! Uh, that would be Sam Bailey. I'm sorry, who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's uh, she's in it. Um, I cannot remember what, uh, what what pantomime it is uh, this year. Um, but yeah, pantomime is a great family affair. That um, it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of anything that they might have in America that is close, and I don't think there is anything Pro- that I can think of. Probably the Shriners in their little cars <laughs> with their feathers on. <laughs> That's probably about <laughs> as close as they get. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's that is something to see. Um, yeah, it's one of these things where. Um, the kids can shout at the people on the on the stage. Yeah, they've got to shout back, and you've got to make loads of noise. And they split the audience in half, and one has to sing louder than the other. And and this year's song was Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen, etc., etc., etc. And we sang that about fourteen times. I can believe that. Oh believe my that. word! I, and of, I gonna and have of to... course, they had kids come up, and they were birthdays and all that kind, that of, stuff. kind of thing, and sweets and all kinds of stuff. Hello there, garbage podophiles. Gareth Jones from Gareth Jones on Speed here. Just wishing you a Merry Christmas or a Nadolig Llawen, as we would say in Wales. Or perhaps as we might say on Gareth Jones on Speed, Merry Christmas from Gareth Jones on Speed! Merry Christmas. 
Alan, I think we're being paged. Hailing frequencies are coming over. Let me just um, let me just go down to the uh, to the transport room. Stand by, stand by. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, have you got him? Have you got? I can't. I, I've got him. I've got him. I'm, I'm gonna beam him in now. Stand by for beam. Here we go. Beaming up now. Victor from the planet Fash here. Good day to you, sirs. Ah, my lord, my lord, my lord Victor from the planet Vash. It's been so long. How are you? Very well, very well indeed. Now tell me, what time frame are we in? We are in the uh, the 21st century, sir. The 21st century? You're not telling me we are in that time frame where Harrison Ford's being paid 76 times the wage of the other actors. <laughs> Bloody oh. hell, I better call my mate Ridley Scott. He needs to make another film. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, Lord Victor of Vash. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, now, should I discard my veil and come on as who I really am? Let, let's beam him in again, because because there, there must have been something with the uh, with the Heisenberg compensators in the transporter that's uh, that's that's done something to this to this amazing man. Yeah, I I, I do believe it's diddled with his DNA. I think we need to sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> And now my DNA is back to normal, gents. Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Mark. It's Aid here. Aid! <laughs> How are you doing, sir? You all sir? like a bit of role-play. How are you, gents? <laughs> We're fine. It, well, it's Christmas. Yeah. It's just splendid, as always. It reminds me of, of the lyric, Do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas! God bless... <laughs> You know what? I, I noticed something just going through my timeline on on Facebook today, saying the basic struggle has done a 40th year anniversary concert and they're coming to London. Is that real? Oh my goodness me! Probably. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how old are they all now? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look. If if people like Mick Jagger are still alive. Uh, then, then anything's possible. Well, the Rolling Stones are having to change some of their lyrics anyway, because I mean they, they've changed the the lyrics to "I can't get no satisfaction" to "I can't get no sanatogen." So, uh... <laughs> oh, I like that. Like, but, but listen, I mean, I think I think there's a, there's a real truism here about you know rock and rollers don't just get old; they get better with age. And Alan, <laughs> I know. I haven't seen you in a little while, but you remember the legendary, the great Mr. Peter Straker. And guess who is working with him on New Year's Eve? He is doing <gasps> Phantom of the Opera for me this New Year's Eve and a cabaret show. And he is peering alongside Seb's band. Seb's band are yeah. so damn good now. They're actually his backing band for New Year's Eve at Danesfield House. How about that? That is amazing. I would love to see Peter again. Absolutely. Well, I've sent him your regards. He remembers you well and that lovely occasion at Battles Reed Farm and the photo. But you know what? He is 
of an age now where is if you look him up on Wikipedia, and I think they've made a mistake, so it's a plus one, you will be shocked at how this boy is still rock and rolling uh, over the number 70. Good Lord. You know, it's interesting you, you mentioned, Peter, because I was, I was actually watching some YouTube videos earlier on, and I was watching some stuff about Freddy, as you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a big Freddy fan, and one of Peter's songs came up, and I just had to sit back and listen to that amazing voice. Well, I know you have great respect for him, and you got on really well with him about his green farm. He mm. always asks after you and DD and mm. Fred. You know, you, we had a great night there, Mark. It was a, a, a real rock and roll concert. But, yep. you know, the, yep. the guy's done an amazing form, drinks like a fish, rocks like a trooper. We are going to be doing New Year's Eve, so he's going to do a, a song from Phantom to perform. In fact, he won't appear on the balcony of Dating House as the Phantom. Vash is going to be his standing. <laughs> Vash is going to put the cape on, the mask, and be the standard. And then Peter's going to sing the cabaret uh, a few great songs after dinner. And, of course, drink all the champagne in the house and be amazing. And next year, there are some plans afoot to do an album with him. Guys, do the archetypal best of Peter Straker, make a documentary about his life and just catalogue what an amazing life he's had because you know Alan as you, as you know and Mark I don't know if you realise you know, he was the original cast of Hair if you've got the old vinyl of Hair that's him on the front cover wow and he was the original Phantom as well in the other in the uh, yeah the <laughs> Ken Hill version that's Very right interesting because people say oh there's only been one Phantom you know that's Andrew no 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 no, no, no. Phantom yeah 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 and and my great recollection of the day at the farm was just the the, the amount of champagne I had to carry <laughs> the amount of champagne he got well I will send him your best regards I'm seeing him Please on do. the 31st he's rehearsing with Seb and the boys and, and Mark with that in mind maybe I should try and get you a live uh, clean feed recording from the night that you might want to use you know early next year for one of the uh, podcasts either you or Alan or both sure I know yeah. that would go down a real treat wouldn't it boys oh it certainly would certainly would and, now, and Seb is really really he's yeah. really getting out there he's his game. He's, uh, he's cut his hair off now it was kind of like the long Mowgli look and now it's been cut short and very trim and proper and uh, the band's doing great so I must make sure to invite you both to one of the Seb gigs. They've got the Blue Swan uh, Quartet now, and Otter Otter is another group. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> yes, that would make sense. So uh, everything is good. And how is life with you guys and gents coming up in the Raps Christmas? Busy as ever, I hope. Oh, certainly is. Been doing some bits and pieces for the for the BBC, no less. Fantastic. Um, last week for the uh, the launch of Tim Peake going into space. Did a couple of bits there. I was over at the Science Museum in, in London. And uh, the daytime event was, wow, that was loud. There was about, uh, oh, uh, there must have been about 2,000 kids all counting down. <laughs> to the to the launch. <laughs> My God, that would have been noisy. Uh, lots of um, flag waving and uh, all sorts of stuff going on there. Fantastic. Did you see the story about Tim Peake today? Um, no, I, I didn't. What was it? Tell me. Okay, they had to go and do an impromptu spacewalk, so that meant that Tim had to help the other guys into their spacesuits and all that kind of stuff. So they mentioned that, and they started the story off by saying, you know, it was the first time that Tim had had to go through this process of uh, of assisting the other astronauts into their into their suits so they could do their spacewalk. But the actual story was the fact that. 
he'd phoned home for the first time to speak to his parents direct from the space station and they popped out for an hour no. <laughs> and came back to a voicemail message on their answer phone from Tim on <laughs> the space station. That's totally bizarre, <laughs> I mean, it, c- no, it could I, only I can be hours. Any of us all popping out or, or missing a phone call on the mobile or whatever, you know, getting a message from a mate or a colleague or, you know, something like that. But, you know, it, it's an extraordinary thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean they'd emailed every day and all this kind of thing and his parents were saying that they're going to they're going to lay a uh, place for him at the Chris, at their Christmas table on Christmas day and they've managed to get a life-size cardboard cut out of him. No. <laughs> yes. Strange strange you say that, <laughs> that actually. That is very strange. Um at the lead up to the launch, um Tim's got his own website, the the Principia mission. Um website and yes that is pronounced correctly I know it's it's spelt Principia but it's actually pronounced Principia and uh, there is a PDF file that you can download very very high definition picture of Tim in a space suit and if you've got a big enough printer one of these full size printers you can actually print out a full life size cardboard cutout of Tim Peak. Well, that's what, he, that's, that's, what parents, that's what his parents are going to have at their Christmas table. We've got to set a place for him. Unbelievable. <laughs> but, Unbelievable. yeah, they, they've been emailing it every day, but the one time that he calls them, they're, they're out. But they've said that they're going to keep that message forever. It's not going to get wiped. They're going to save it, and yeah. so, it's, uh, so it's always there for their memory. Well, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of that kind of festive goodwill, nice, warm, fuzzy stuff in that story, isn't there? There certainly is, isn't there? It's. I mean, I think the whole the whole thing with the space station is like that because where every you know not not everybody is getting on with everybody else on on the Earth at the moment, but in space that doesn't seem to be the case. Everyone, hey, do you remember that great line from Alien? In space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, well, they they need each other up there, don't they? They yeah. really do rely on each other. So, and they they uh, kind of do see each other as family up there. So it's uh, it's it's a really nice feeling. Well, yeah. I tell you what, gents, why don't we play a little impromptu game? Just kind of because the direction this is going in in the chat and everything. Look, I'm going to create a spacecraft for only six people. You both and myself will be three of the people. Mm-hmm. Now, let's each one pick any other person in the world, alive or not with us anymore, whoever they might be, famous or infamous, family member or friend, politician or lunatic. Who would you pick? Who's going to go first, gents? Let's see what our crew of six will turn out to be. This could be a bizarre one. <laughs> Alan first, or Mark? Yeah, go on, Alan. See what we can come up with. Nice and easy. Uh, The name popped into my head the moment you started talking about it. Dr. Brian May. (laughs) Ah, now there you go. So, for a start, we're going to have real rock and roll on this spacecraft. So, Mark, you're starter for 10, please, sir. Hmm. Now, I think... Because, uh, obviously, we need people in the crew that are going to be experienced, but this person 
just tells so many really funny and really interesting stories uh, about space. Go on. I think it's got to be Buzz Aldrin. Well, hang on a second. So we got a rock and roller. We've actually got a world-famous, probably legendary astronaut. Now, I am going to turn this on its head, <laughs> and I'm going to have Ridley Scott with us, and we're going to make Aliens again. <laughs> Directed by Ridley Scott, starring Ridley Scott, produced by Ridley Scott. <laughs> that sounds like that sketch from... Um... Little Britain, where they did the Dennis Waterman <laughs> sang the theme tune, wrote the theme tune. <laughs> now, I think we have to have one other person on the craft, and I think, gents, because everyone's going to be hearing the podcast, we must be seen to be fair and kind to the lovely ladies of this world. So we need to have a female captain, a a head honcho who is a lady. Okay. Um, come on then, gents. Any well, I should defer on this because Kaz will kill me if I don't say her. So I won't say. Her. <laughs> Is it who's it going to be, guys? Who's going to be top dog? For me, for me, it's got to be Sigourney Weaver. Ah, I can see that. I don't, I don't want John Hurt busting any aliens. <laughs> Do you know, I, I've always, I've always had a place in my heart for Sigourney Weaver. Fantastic actress. For decades, I absolutely love that woman. So you'd like. I mean, Lost in space with her. <laughs> yes, lost in space. Mm-hmm. We, we could just drift away. Yeah. You all right with that, Mark? That sounds good to me. She well, can what look... about the grub? What about the food? Who's going to do the food? Oh, I don't care about food. We <laughs> could call it for some space takeaway. Yeah, we'll call it at the restaurant at the end of the universe. Oh, they're, they're bound to have a Starbucks somewhere up there as well, aren't they, somewhere? Well, it would be a Starbucks, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and as long as we all bring our towels, we'll be okay. Oh, certainly. Yeah. No, I think that's a pretty damn good craft, actually. <laughs> I think that's rather good. I mean, if the listeners and uh, the listening universe to this Christmas special podcast wants to actually get a sponsored place on this craft, we could start a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good knees up at Christmas, is it, Mike? I love it. Absolutely. Down at the pub, we have all sorts of fun, right? We do, but it's filthy around here. Look at this place. Well, well, why don't you just take the garbage out? All right, well, I'm going to grab this podcast, too. Oh, what, the garbage podcast? You can't do that. That's Mark Taylor, the boss. Oh, man. Well, it's all right. If you you have to throw it out, you have to throw it out. Why don't you take this other guy with you as well? Adri, whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't know. He's like a, you know, bloody NFL nut. He loves the American sports and all this woman's football league. I know, he's into the women, isn't he? But he does everything the boss says, which is what you do, right? Anything you say, boss. Oh, absolutely. Good man. Well, all I can say is from the Britain Yankee pubcast, it's... A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all from me. And a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from him. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, a slightly good clink. I don't know. We need better glasses, don't we? Yeah, let's try these ones. Hang on a minute. Cheers. Oh, lovely. Happy Christmas.
it's a crazy time when you can wake up and hear about terrible bombs and destruction. Absolutely bizarre. But, you know, then again, we're coming up to a seasonal time of the year for everybody, regardless of race, religion, politics, and belief. And let's just hope that even for those few days, there is some semblance of normality in the world. It is strange that you know one day you'll you'll hear as i say you said uh, bad things that are going on out there and then occasionally you get these these stories that uh make you believe in human nature again yeah absolutely and inspire that's, I think yeah. that's the thing i think we, we have to inspire this year uh and every year that's one of the reasons we have to keep thinking that i know many of us don't do it all the time or you know and I'm sure we've all been through it, myself included. You know, you sometimes walking quickly into a station, you see someone there, you want to give them something, you suddenly realise you haven't got a coin in your pocket. No, because you, it's you, cash. You've only got a note, and then you start making an excuse in your mind, thinking, no, I can't do that, whatever. And then there's that horrible moment when you walk past them, and you know you want to, but you can't, but you're not in a position to explain because it's just not the thing you explain because it wouldn't sound right and you know that happens to all of us the intention's there sometimes we just can't do it for good reasons how about this one for inspiration people are tying coats around lampposts for homeless people if you see a coat tied around a lamppost while you're out and about this winter it's likely to have been put there for a very good cause people have been leaving coats attached to lampposts and railings for homeless people to help them survive the cold weather the movement was started by Andrea Lisa Robson of Sunderland who posted a photo of a coat she donated onto Facebook. Robson's Facebook post has been shared almost 4,000 times with many people vowing to follow her lead and donate warm items to homeless people. In the post, Robson said, quote, I promised I have hung an old coat in Sunderland Interchange this morning free to anyone who is cold this winter. She left the coat with a note reading, if I am not lost... If you're cold tonight, take this warm hug from others. Others have since followed Robson's lead, including Davina Canning. Inspired by a wonderful lady, Andrea Lisa Robson, I thought I'd follow your example. Thank you for showing me there are decent people in this world. Let us not allow anyone to freeze this winter, she wrote on Facebook. Robson has since set up the Facebook page Project New to help raise awareness of homelessness in the northeast of England. She's calling for donations of coats, hats and scarves and volunteers to help distribute them. And all she's doing is putting a little note on them saying, if you're cold and you need a coat, take it. And then tying it to a lamppost and walking away. I love it. I mean, see, simple little things like that. Yeah. Amazing. You know, it's all, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff, gents. Uh, oh, I feel I feel a bit tearful there for a second. <laughs> but where's the cognac? Come on. <laughs> have you got some festive spirits in front of you, gents? I have a wee dram, I think. Uh, I have a wee dram here. And I'm going to have a wee dram after this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have you got a wee dram there too? Aye. <laughs> I certainly have. He's not, he, you know, he's not telling us what it is. No. <laughs> Well, well, uh, I'm, I'm just going to uh, just say I'm going I'm to raise a toast to Uncle Jack. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about lights, boys? Have you got lights on your home? Well, lights—that's an interesting. 
Alan, you, you know well that uh, the Dr. M uh, abode is positioned in a place called Repton Park, which has beautifully manicured summer gardens and lawns by Sir Humphrey Repton. And then in the winter, it looks a bit, uh, well, it looks a bit, you know, decadent and dull, but there's still a bit of, you know, wacky uh, woodland and can be a bit creepy and scary when the Victorian lights are on, when we mm. do November shoots. Well, um, they have got the most bright, most outrageously big collection of Christmas lights. I don't know where it's arrived from. Normally it's quite humble, but this year we've got the tree down, we've got little kind of reindeers, and they're everywhere. Someone's obviously decided to light the whole place up. Goodness me. Uh, I've got a couple of stories here about lights, one from the US and one from the UK. If you would. Okay, here we go. Magnificent light show in Pennsylvania. Even with 21,240 lights, Wayne Allen does not consider his Christmas display all that big or extraordinary. He says, I don't have animations or blow molds. There isn't any music playing. I don't have a nativity in the yard or a sound on the roof. Alan says, it's just lights, that's all. 21,000. Yes, but apparently uh, 21,240 lights are causing big trouble. The northern Pennsylvania man has been decorating his home each Christmas season with thousands of brilliant multicolored lights since the early 1970s. And for years, people from the surrounding area have driven past the Allen home to look at the lights. Over the years, the number of people driving by has numbered into the hundreds. On some nights during the season, all that traffic has caused the police to have to come out to deal with the traffic jam as people drive past his home with decorated with 21,240 lights. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, who's paying his bill? Well, this is the next story. According, according to Christmas, news story from Comparison website, uh, more than half of UK families will be installing outdoor Christmas lights this festive season, many of these for the first time. The survey also discovered that the average household expect, expects to spend around £236, that's US dollars on the decorations for the outside of their house. Despite all this festive cheer, outdoor decorations do not always go to plan. And it's been discovered, for example, that 6% of those questions said that putting up Christmas lights had caused problems with their electrics, whilst 5% had admitted, that's 5%, and admitted that they'd had an accident while they were either putting their lights up or taking them down. And, 80, and 85% admitted that they had no idea how much their Christmas lights were likely to cost them in terms of the extra electricity used. Go Compare estimated that lights which were switched on for six hours each day over the Christmas period use an extra 22 days worth of electricity. The comparison site is urging homeowners to check their energy deals before they switch on their lights to get the Christmas deals available. And in addition, homeowners should take extra care when putting up their lights to get an electrician in if they are at all unsure about what to do. Particular care should be taken if you're erecting the light show of 21,240 lights outside your home. But go the uh, the go compare comparison website 
right? Reckon that uh, over the Christmas period, you're going to use an extra 22 days worth of electricity just on lights outside your house. Just goes to show. So let's just think, Mr. Pennsylvania, with 21,240, is it, Alan? That's correct, yes. Let's just say, and I'm, you know, I'm not being a Scrooge here or anything, let's just say something went disastrously wrong one night and he blew the lot. What on <laughs> earth would happen? I mean, a, a well, total blackout. There'd be a lot less traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like something out of a Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Oh, oh bridge of spies, bridge of lights. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got a, uh, another story that kind of uh, tags on to that, really, because um, there's this this guy called Andy Park who has celebrated Christmas every day for the past twenty two years, and he, he stuffs himself daily with twenty five mince pies, a full turkey, watches the Queen's speech religiously at three o'clock every afternoon opens prezzies that he has sent himself what um he and he pulls 40 uh, crackers 40 of them and he, you'll never believe how much he has spent since his obsession began I, I, I in 1993 think, how much two million pounds what what so he celebrates christmas day every day every day and, and now, after years of nagging from his daughter, the 52-year-old uh, is pulling the plug on Christmas. <laughs> he's not pulling the plug on the 21,240 lights, is he? <laughs> Do you think he's been watching Monty Python's Meaning of Life a little too literally? <laughs> With it being I, Christmas I every reckon, day there. <laughs> I reckon, Alan, he's going for the room for the argument. <laughs> You're probably right. What the five minutes or just the full or the full half hour? I don't know, but I think he's, he's probably doing a silly walk on the way there, and and he's going by the cheese shop and albatross. Albatross. Deary me, this is this podcast is not real. It has gone to meet its baker in the podcast sky. It has slid down the curtains. It has slid down the curtains through the choir of busy bureau. It is, it no, is more. no more. <laughs> Doesn't matter how old Python gets, Python rules. <laughs> Always. Oh, dear. But it's, it's just... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, that was just a moment of our madness. Excuse us, listeners. <laughs> You're talking about three old farts here that have suddenly seen the light today with a bit of Python-esque humour. Because, you know, going from 21,240 lights to a man who celebrates Christmas every day, Python seems quite normal. <laughs> it, it does. Unless you're in France, because the French parents are seeking a ban on Father Christmas adverts. Oh, no. Fra Come on, do me a favour. No, French parents have sought to ban a television commercial in which a father tells his adult son that Father Christmas does not exist, no. claiming it has traumatised their children. Uh, the 22nd clip was aired last week during a commercial break on TF1, which was broadcasting the family film Ratatouille. Uh, the, the advert says, son, I've got some bad news for you, says the father in the advert. 
for Credit Mutual, a high street bank. Father Christmas doesn't exist, he says, making a parallel with financial advertisers whose prime motivation for selling products, he claims, is their commission. The commercial sparked outrage amongst parents who are calling for the advertising watchdog to ban the clip. Interesting to see how this Christmas news story unfolds. All I can say in my best French, I remember, Zut alors! Yeah. Oh, très bien. <laughs> bon. Sacre drat, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, monsieur, monsieur, it's not possible. But of course, we have the camembert and we have the French bread, so everything is all right, really. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so bon. It's so bon. I would like to invite you both to come to my space station and try a nice vintage Chateau Margot. It's very nice. And any problems we have, well, it doesn't matter because the wine is good. <laughs> and maybe a wafer thin mint. Just, just. <laughs> Did you say a wafer thin mint? <laughs> just the one. But I'm, I'm asking you, monsieur, do you, uh, you have a license for your minky? <laughs> <My minky. laughs> because you no. know, Inspector uh, I am Inspector Jacques Lusson and Monsieur Dane. I have a license, uh, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, there's no other great French detective apart from me. That there appears to be a a, a, a bam <laughs> in my room. Did you say um, a bam? <laughs> that is exactly what I said. Geronimo! 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 You know, gentlemen, I, I have to say, uh, and, and once again, this is please excuse these three madmen that we are, but hopefully, this podcast brings you some lighter moments of life when Alan, Mark, and Aid truly sow the significance of their education and their life <laughs> and, and everything they've striven for to pertain to. And suddenly it comes crashing down with a bit of python, camembert, and vintage Chateau Margot. And 21,240 lines. And a wafer thin mint. I was just reading some of the things, because you know I said he, he, this guy buys himself Christmas presents. Yes. Um, it says his most ex- extravagant... Get it right, get my teeth in. The most extravagant purchase was a £26,000 Mercedes... Uh, three five zero, which is put a number plate on it with Mister Christmas as the number the, the, plate. The guy's lost his marbles. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> me! I mean, that's just. Now he's banning it. Oh, <sighs> he's got to pull the plug it out. I, I give up. On behalf of Talk of the Town, we'd like to wish everybody uh, who listens to the Garbage Pod a very Merry Christmas. In traditional Viking style, um, we'd like to raise a glass of mulled wine and wish everybody a Vassail, which means your health. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let me give you some Christmas trivia. Go on, then. Right, just just some little one-liners of Christmas trivia. The song White Christmas holds the credit as the most-selling Christmas single of all time. Santa Claus has nine reindeer, counting Rudolph, that pull his sleigh. Uh, Saturnalia was the Roman's holiday that was celebrated in December. 
It wasn't until about 200 years after Christ's death that Christians started celebrating his birth. In Northern Europe, there was a holiday known as Yule. People celebrated this holiday by making great fires, and they would dance around the fires, yelling for the winter to end. Some of them probably naked, I imagine. <clears throat> uh, Australia was the first country to issue a Christmas postage stamp. Silver and gold are the popular Christmas colours, after red and green. Eggnog, the popular Christmas drink was an American discovery. Uh, the Christmas carol I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus was made famous by Jimmy Boyd when he was just 12 years old. Uh, Christmas lights were invented by the American Ralph E. Morris. Uh, W.C.T. Dobson invented the Christmas card. Canada is the largest exporter of Christmas trees. Kings Canyon, Canyon National Park, California, USA, has the world's largest Christmas tree. Coca-Cola made the concept of Santa Claus popular in America, mm -hmm. and there are 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, and it's not Christmas until you've seen the Coca-Cola truck, apparently. Oh, well, there you go. Well, what, you know, as far as true is concerned, that was actually very enlightening. And, and you know that um, all of Santa's reindeer are all female. Are they? they are. They are. Because oh, I knew that. male um, reindeer do not have antlers at this time of year. Well, there Good you go. Lord. That's something I didn't know. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we got some antlers on the space station, I can actually visualise this now, dear listeners. So there is our spacecraft. Clearly, it's got a kind of a turbocharged, souped up. Uh, engine, and then you got Brian May doing a bit of kind of warm up guitar. Yes. In one corner. Yeah, definitely. Ridley's writing the storyboard for the next film already. Yeah. Mm. And uh, who was the other member of our crew? Remind me. Buzz Aldrin. And Buzz yeah, Aldrin. Well, Buzz Aldrin's buzzing off. <laughs> Buzz, As, like actually, you. Know, knowing how Buzz Aldrin actually is, he's, he's probably chatting up Sigourney Weaver, actually. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, hasn't she just blasted an alien out? <laughs> and, and Alan, Alan, yes. because you have met Roy Scammell. The Roy yes, Scammell. indeed. Roy Scammell was the original blasted alien out in the... Uh, alien uh, prosthetic uh, in Alien, the film. He, he was the alien uh, blasted out by Sigourney Weaver in that uh, film. Is there any film that he hasn't been blasted out of? <laughs> yes, he's also got... He also had Sigourney Weaver's jumpsuit. Remember the khaki jumpsuit? Yes, indeed. Uh, he's got that. <gasps> he's got James Kahn's roller skates rollable because wow. he taught James Kahn how to roller skate and uh, recently I actually met the guy who designed uh, most of the sets uh, well not okay. designed but actually built most of the sets in Alien and he also sculpted Darth Vader's helmet amazing Good Lord. <laughs> Amazing. Well, there's that great story that's true, and both you guys know Andy, Andy Mitchell, Andy the Big Funk. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, indeed. Well, little known fact, Andy's late father was the MD of Elstree Studios, and when Andy was a kid, uh, he would walk across, you know, the Star Wars set, and, and true story, he told me, you know, he's walking across the set one day, minding his own business, and he came across, <laughs> yes, 
at the time of the shooting of Star Wars a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, an original lightsaber. And he picked it up and kept it for a while, you know, big deal, because at that time, which is a lightsaber, it was a prop. Gave it to a mate who probably a few years later, or a couple of days later, made a rather good killing on eBay, I'm sure. And I said to Annie, what the hell did you give that away for? And of course, at the time, no one really knew that would become. Yeah, but can you imagine it? It was just some little start. It was just some yeah. little science fiction film, wasn't it? it? It wasn't expected to do very much, but. I, the, my fact that I like about the original Star Wars was um, that George Lucas was trying to get Alec Guinness on board, and he knew he wouldn't be able to afford Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. And he said, I can't offer you the kind of fees that you you normally get. And Alec Guinness, this was absolute work of genius, said, don't worry about that. Give me a percentage of the merchandising rights. <laughs> Rather good decision to be made. You know? Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> the moral of this particular story has got to be any artistic endeavour, be it a book, be it a film, be it a play, whatever it might be, a recording, etc. Think about what it might be worth and what might happen in years to come because somewhere along the line, you know, you doodle a song, it becomes a legendary song, an anthem, whatever. You know, you, ne- you never kind of give it all away. You've got to think about what it amounts to. And it may just be, you know, a little song you wrote might be, you know, do they know it's Christmas or whatever, but who knows? Hmm. I wonder, I wonder what Freddie would have said about Bohemian Rhapsody, Adam. <laughs> is this the real life? Or is it just fantasy? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was talking to Drake a lot about Freddie, and you know, when we do the stuff with him next year, there'll, there'll be lots of stories and stuff. But you know, uh, if you guys go onto YouTube or listeners, if you want to go to YouTube and put in the Great Pretender video for Freddie, there he is strutting out in his white suit coming down those steps, and then take a look at the three backing chicks in drag and Strakers in the middle. <laughs> yes he's got Roger Roger Taylor with him and Peter Straker that's right and you know I showed that to Cassie and I was just god that's not Straker it looks so young I said oh yes it is but you can imagine how many bottles of champagne they've done before that take oh many Oh, yes. Many, 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 many. But it's a great, great video. It just reminds you when you look at it and you hear the music, you see Freddie doing stuff. What a showman he was. What uh, a, Amazing. Am I not mistaken that Freddie Taylor Shearer takes Freddie from your homage to Freddie? Am I wrong or all right? You're absolutely correct. We named him after him. And just to link Freddie with Space and Star Wars yep. uh, there was, there's a meme that's going out at the moment and it says you may be cool but you're not Freddie Mercury riding on the shoulders of Darth Vader cool because <laughs> back in the 19 uh, back in the 1980s yeah. uh, in the finale of their shows he, uh, he would come out on either Superman's shoulders or Darth Vader's shoulders and there's this f- fantastic photograph of Freddy singing his heart out on the shoulders of Darth Vader well I genuine what, photo that now Mark you know when you 
put out the uh, the Christmas special and you normally have links and to various peoples that Alan myself said and you put a few pictures on don't you yeah always right. yep. I am going to tell I'm going to tell you this now and I'm going to send it to you mm-hmm. because back in May uh, Fred Letelier the makeup artist and Paul Hayes photographer who Alan knows they came into the studio with me and on one day I was turned into uh, a Planet of the Apes ape in full regalia Good Lord. Um, Beauty and the Beast, and also the engineer from Prometheus. Now, I have a picture of me transformed off now prosthetics and makeup into an alien. You will go, oh my God, is that aid? I'm going to send you that picture by email tonight, both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you have my uh, free will to put that on uh, with your links and. It won't be a very Dr. M aid kind of pick, but it will make you think, wow. Yeah. So there you go. That, that's my <laughs> start of a 10. I will send it to you. Alan, I think I'm sh- pretty sure I've got your email, but send me a quick email after this. Yes, indeed. And I will log it back. And I promise you, you look at it, you'll have a chuckle thing. AIDS definitely not becoming any more normal at Christmas. It's getting worse. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Um, Listen, guys, uh, my hailing frequencies are going off, and uh, there's a shuttlecraft Galileo standing by. Galileo, 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 they go off. Indeed. (laughs) Alan, it's been a pleasure. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Do you realise we've been chatting for 52 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. But you know what? Look on the bright side of life. I wish you both a very, very happy Christmas and a wonderful New Year. I look forward to more get-togethers in space, in Essex, in Hertfordshire, in Norfolk, wherever. Uh, God bless you both, your families, and uh, looking forward to more supernatural, super space age, super crazy things. And for God's sake, Alan, turn those twenty-one thousand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pull the plug in. I think I will. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers now. Bye now. Bye. Right, sir. You're going to be beaming back down to uh, back to Earth. Yes. Uh, well, in fact, I don't. I don't really like my having my having my molecules scrambled. So I'm taking a shuttlecraft. All right, that's safer. Yes, going in Galileo. So I shall speak to you on the other side. Thank you. And uh, when we come back. Uh, we will be talking with my co-host from TGP Nominal, the one and only John Berger. <laughs> Artu, where are you? Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase vector. It's your Christmas present. Stop. 
isn't complete yet. It isn't finished. Lock in your circuits again quickly. Welcome back to the second half of our TGP nominal stroke garbage pod crossover for our Christmas special. And as I mentioned in the first half, I'm just waiting to be hailed, to be honest with you. So let's see if we've got the hailing frequencies open. And I think we've got someone about to beam on board. Okay, whoever's supposed to be in engineering today, tell them to fix those Heisenberg compensators and take a look at those pattern buffers. That was one hell of a rough ride, and I don't (laughs) think that I should have been seeing purple and orange spots the whole way through. (laughs) That was not cool. I'll I'll have some words with the transporter room for Uh, you. Anyway, hi! So how you doing, John? Apart from Uh, that? Apart from the rough ride. (laughs) That was interesting. Uh, you know, at least it's not something like, you know, my butt ended up on my face or something. <laughs> Although to see me, some people might say that's already the case. You never know. Eh, hey, don't be so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> won't, be, won't be as harsh as that transporter ride. Good God. <laughs> as I say, we've, we've done the first half of the show uh, that was more aimed towards the, uh, the garbage pod people um, and well, this is more aimed towards the TGP nominal people, but hopefully we've still got some of our garbage pop people still hanging on there. 
That would be nice. I hope so. And uh, the other way around as well. I, I hope that uh, some of our TGP nominal listeners listening on uh, the Garbage Pod shows as well, and also widescreen.org. That would be nice. I would. That would be very appreciative as well, yes. <laughs> so, uh, what have you been up to recently? Oh, nothing. You know, just sitting at home. I heard that some, some new movie came out over the weekend, but I was just, pff, I didn't bother to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I'd made a big, big mistake. By uh, before I actually went to see the movie, I went to a comic store. <laughs> okay. And when I got there, I thought, "Oh no, they're going to be talking about it," and I'm going to regret this. <laughs> but uh, no, everyone was pretty cool. They wouldn't talk about it Good. unless. They, they knew I hadn't seen it, so they didn't say anything. So that was that was pretty cool. Good. Um, that's the way it should be. Although I did actually answer a question, even though I hadn't seen it, I actually answered a question to someone who had actually seen it, <laughs> which was bizarre. Yeah, how does that happen? <laughs> the, the question was, and I don't think he thought it through, how comes when Luke Skywalker's lightsaber is green that this one is blue and I said cast your mind back <laughs> yeah and there are no spoilers here because it was in the trailers too <laughs> think about it first before you yep. ask those kind of questions <laughs> what was the colour of the lightsaber when he got his hand chopped off in Bespin <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> alright right I can just from the very first teaser, it's like, wait a minute, that's Anakin's lightsaber. Uh huh. <laughs> from the very first teaser. And weren't whatever. those trailers misleading? Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> eh, you know, well, I mean, they got to do that sometimes. Uh, and, I, and don't give me, you know, it's just funny to see some of those things and, and, and people freaking out over them. Because, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, I have. I have very little patience for the people who are, no spoilers, no spoilers, I don't want to know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have very little patience for those people. But, you know, I have no tolerance whatsoever for the people who do just complete spoilers. But then there's those people who say that something is a spoiler that was made knowledgeable a year ago. Uh huh. That blows my mind because I, I posted on Facebook, I posted the latest trailer to Batman vs. Superman. And, of course, Doomsday is the big baddie. Mm-hmm. And some guy, you know, a friend of a friend, was like, oh, well, now that just ruined the whole movie for it, knowing that it's Doomsday. Gee, great, the whole movie's ruined. And I just responded with, dude, they anno- Warner Brothers announced that Doomsday was going to be the bad guy over a year, or almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? It's like, oh, well, you know, I, I guess looking at this, it's, it looks like it's going to be leading up to the formation of the Justice League. Uh, Dude, that's the whole premise of the movie. It's right there in the title. What are you... T- oh. <laughs> I was like, wow. Where have you been? I'm sure that it should be really cool. Batman versus Superman, but Wonder Woman saves their butts. You know, <laughs> That was a great scene. <laughs> Part of me doesn't know what it's going to be like. It's so flipping dark. But then again, that's when Batman does his thing. So, yeah, it's going to be nighttime and so forth. But, yeah, that scene with, with Wonder Woman showing up, all of a sudden it's like, she with you? 
I thought she was with you. <laughs> well, okay. She just came out of nowhere. Still, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling about this kind of goofy uh, young Lex Luthor, though. Yeah, I, when I saw him in the latest trailer, I was like... He's he's kind of a bit weaselly and um, very. Uh, well, I mean, Greg, you, you go back see... to Gene Hackman in Superman the movie. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he was, he was a bit kind of weasel. a weasel there too. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? But, but, but he, he's going to play one against the other. You can see him's going to be. He's going to play one against the other. Yeah, that is what he's going to do. Yeah, and even then, he's just kind. Of, he, he does seem to be just ready to cross over that line to insanity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll just maybe that's just a front, and maybe he really is just very conniving and very, you know, straight on like like other Lex Luthers that we come to think of. But who knows? I'm I still would like to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm st- I'm not I'm not writing it off yet. Once again, you can't you can't judge a character with with, with just watching a trailer. You you can't do that. It's not possible. No. Well, even did you see the uh, the new Star Trek? Uh, Star Trek Beyond trailer. Yes, I did. I looked at that and I was like, what the hell is this? This is not Star Trek. This is go in and destroy things and kung fu and this is not Star Trek. What the hell is this? And even Will Wheaton uh, was talking about that. In fact, I got the quote right here. Hold on. Obviously, he's, you know, the guy who played Wesley Crusher. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I had it here. I guess all I have is Star Trek stuff. But basically, he said, I just saw a trailer for this really cool action movie, but it had the Star Trek label slapped on it. Ouch. And even Simon Pegg finally came back and said, uh, yeah, guys, I'm not happy with that trailer either. You know, well, he co-wrote it. My imp- so, that, that's what I'm thinking, because my impression of what I saw of that trailer was, uh, yeah, I see what Simon Pegg's done here. He's, he's tried to make it more of an adventure movie for himself. Actually, you know what? I would put that more on Justin Lin, because he's the director, and he's the guy who did a couple of the Fast and Furious movies. Ah, uh, I see. So think about what's in those... Yeah. And think of that he now has his hands on Star Trek. Even Simon Pegg was like, uh, guys, just be patient. There's more to it than that. Trust me. So even he was kind of like backing off. Like, I did not do that trailer. No, that is not the Star Trek that I'm trying to, to do here, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did like the bit with um, Bones, though, when he said, I, you know, I'm glad I'm not alone. When <laughs> well, that, yeah, that was a classic McCoy moment. <laughs> That was funny. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, yeah, I was like, that. That's that's just so not Star Trek. But maybe it's just that I'm an old fogey, you know, old school kind of Star Trek. It's supposed to be a wagon train to the stars. Mm-hmm. And then you could have really good movies thrown in with some action and so forth. The great characters like Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Not not the remake, you know, Into Darkness, the real Wrath of Khan. You know, movies like that. But yeah, this new trailer was just. It ended up with me feeling more like, uh huh than anything else. But who knows? Now that even Simon Pegg is saying, no, 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 guys, that's really not it. There's more to it than that. That gives me a little bit of a hope for it. Yeah, definitely. Now, what about Deadpool? I mean, we've just had this... um, My God, I want that movie. (laughs) The 12 Days of Deadpool have just been... Well, (laughs) recently have been announced. And uh, I'm just going to play a little thing in here. Hi, I'm Deadpool, the other jolly guy in a red suit with a lap worth sitting on, here to tell you happy holidays. In the spirit of this most festive time of year, I've decided to release my holiday cheer all over the world. How, you ask? Well, you naughty stocking stuffers, brace yourselves, because starting today, you're getting not one, not two, but twelve glorious days of Deadpool. The 12 Days of Deadpool starts now. Each day a new site will debut a tasty treat, and on the 25th, the sweetest gift of all, a brand new Deadpool trailer. So sit back, 
hold on to your ornaments, guzzle a little eggnog, at least that looks like eggnog, and prepare yourself because it's time for St. Wade to put the win in Winter Wonderland. <coughs> Deadpool, in theaters February 12th. <coughs> What's that? Is that glue? Uh, I want to see this movie so bad. He is having so much fun in that role. Um, too much fun, I think. <laughs> that's that's what makes it perfect, though. Oh, I, I, yeah, I can't wait for that one. Uh, there was a massive, and I do mean it must have been about 15 feet along by about 6 foot high uh, kind of uh, sculpture thing that just made of plastic. Uh, in the foyer at the cinema with uh, Deadpool reclining on top of a plinth. <laughs> oh, that movie's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. But I had to play that in because, yeah, Christmas. <laughs> hey, when you think of Christmas, think of Deadpool. Yeah. Um, there you go, yeah. Well, he did say the other man in the, in the red suit. The red suit, suit yeah. <laughs> You know, un- unfortunately, the-, the gifts that he delivers usually involve a bullet to the head. But uh, you know. yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about. Because I, I will admit, I'm I'm kind of squeamish. I'm hoping that the comedy and so forth, and just the outrageousness of it, can can kind of override that for me. I, I so think we'll it see. will. I think it will. I hope. I mean, if it if it if the violence is no worse than what they've shown in in like the red band trailers. I should be okay with that. If it if it reaches something like Quentin Tarantino levels of violence, I won't be able to deal with it. I don't think it's going to be a long. I, I hope not. I'm guessing that the rated R is going to be more for the the f bombs that he's going to throw than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I wish I could see that new Quentin Tarantino movie. That would be flipping amazing, but. He goes so much with the blood and the nastiness. I just, I know I won't be able to do it. Well, strangely, though, because, I mean, they got him to direct an episode or a couple of episodes of CSI uh, for a season finale. And uh, they weren't that bad. I was expecting well, no, it to be... Well, no, I mean, be... it's, on, it's on network TV. They, they've got limits as to what they can do. Yeah. I, I was expecting it to be a bit more than that, but... Uh... Well, I, I, was, I was reading about what they were doing for the hateful eight mm-hmm. and uh i know it's not sci-fi but whatever we're on the topic <laughs> and they're saying that he uses so much fake blood and he requires it to be a specific color and consistency that they actually have an official definition that they call tarantino red <laughs> and and for the hateful eight the one person was saying that they use so much of it, and it's it gets it ends up being really sticky. That one of the guys who has done Tarantino movies actually wore a like a vinyl bodysuit underneath his clothes, so that it wouldn't stick to him. And one of the special effects people said that the stuff is so difficult to get off. Sometimes she would go home, not bother showering because she knew she couldn't get it off, and just going to work the next day with the stuff still on her. Um, it's just like wow. That reminds me of uh, something I used to be involved in. Um, I used to I used to be in the Red Cross, and we used to do these um, training exercises where they tried to make it as realistic as possible. Right. And we used to have this uh, organisation called the Casualty Union, 
Now, the Casualty Union are a group of people that actually get made up in makeup, which looks so realistic. <laughs> oh, yeah. And my friend was made up in his stuff, and there was blood dripping and all kinds of things going on. And my dad was giving him a lift home, and he bled on my dad's car upholstery. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've got a friend who loves to do that for special effects. She loves to make, you know, open wounds and so forth. And there are sometimes where she'll post on Facebook some of the stuff she's done. I'm just like, oh, God, who would post it? Oh, it's her. Okay, so it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the things they make it out of, I mean, it was like uh, dough, you know, that yeah. to make skin ri ri raised and um, different things. And then they just add this stuff to it. Mm -hmm. And it, when it's finished, it just looks so well, good, but gross. Yeah, gross and yet impressively good. Yes, but when you're um, asked to then go into a room and trying to assess what um, to do as a first aider, you know, first response. Um, so you're looking around the room to see what kind of injuries are in there, and you're going, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This is too real. You know. <laughs> there was what I wasn't old enough at the time. Uh we went uh our, our our crew went to one of these events and it was um supposed to be after a nuclear explosion. Oh. And at the time oh. I I wasn't old enough to actually attend because that's how realistic yeah. it was. Flesh rotting off and burnt off and that yeah, kind of thing. I can... So uh, yeah, that was one I missed out on. <laughs> oh what? Yeah, what a shame. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. But uh, yeah, yeah, I really wish I could go see those. I mean, come on, he's 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 showing the, and it's there's only a theater about two two hours from here. Seventy millimeter ultra Panavision. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I'm drooling, but I know I'll never be able to watch the movie. The, the quality of that would be just oh, God. <laughs> I mean, Ultra HD doesn't come close to it. Start start doing 16K recording and 16K projection. Okay, now we can start talking about getting close to 70 millimeter film quality. Yeah, but we are so far from that to be able to actually see it. And now I can't because I just can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they're talking about. Uh, the new Star Wars movie, Episode Eight, uh, possibly being done on a mix of 35 and 70 millimeter. Well, some of uh, well, The Force Awakens was done on 35 millimeter, and some of the scenes there were shot on 70 millimeter IMAX too. Some of those um, some. shots were just unreal. Oh God, that movie was so good, so good. Um, I'm trying to recognise some of the some of the uh, places that they film. I've just I've just been watching a fil uh, little film on. Um, YouTube, um, actually it was on Facebook, but um, the, the 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 little island. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one off of is it the Scottish coast? Uh, it's off of Ireland. Ireland, oh, the Irish coast. Okay. Yeah, Scalig Mar uh, Michael, yeah. and it does look so um, otherworldly. Yeah, really does. It does. It's an amazing looking place. Well, um, I saw I that, and part of me was like, did they? That couldn't have been a set. There are too many of those little flagstone rocks in place. Mm. There's no way that could have been a set. That must have been real. Just and I, sure I enough, setting. 
Uh, but can you imagine the tourist trade to that island now? Oh, yeah. And isn't there supposed to be an actual, like, temple or... Yes, there is. Like there's, there? a, there's an old Celtic temple there. So, um, you know, people will go there trying to be Jedi now. It's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good and bad, you know. Not everybody has a tendency of being careful in those places. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but... Oh, yeah. It looks a bit of a trek to get to that point, though, looking at the island from above. It, oh, uh, yeah, the steps that she had to climb? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but okay, it, so let, let's just do this now. Uh, well, I, I think now it, it's quite safe. I mean, when I was talking to the guys in the comic store, and I said, look, I'm going to have to record a podcast on Monday uh, about this, and they said, well, to be honest with you, if you haven't seen it by then, then you're not a true Star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? That's not fair. That's not fair. That there are people who still, for whatever reason, have not been able to see it. And let let's let's just try to avoid, the, especially the really really big spoiler. Oh yeah, that really big one. Let's just kind of try to avoid that one, or at least just not spoil it. All I'm gonna say is. Adam Driver's nose in 3D is huge. Oh my god, really? <laughs> That's what you have to focus on. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got me on that one. I did not expect that. Okay. <laughs> But, but they're no. oh, really good so things. Good. And I've actually found out um, a friend of mine that was actually in the film. Um, I found out what the character he was. It was very, very small part. Um, he was in the the castle. Um, or uh, the speakeasy, as they're calling it. Yeah, really. <laughs> Let's just call it Moss Eisley version 2. It is pretty much, isn't yeah, it? In fact, you know what? If, if I have... I don't want to say that I have a gripe, but it's just, it really became clear that Force Awakens is really a remake of the original Star Wars. Uh, kind of, yeah. When you think, well, come on, come on. A, a, a robot with secret data mm -hmm. founded by the hero, or in this case, heroine, on a desert planet. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously escapes that desert planet in, uh, well, a ship. I don't yeah. want to say yeah. any more on that one. But you know what? Well, no, we can say it. They, they escaped the planet of the Millennium Falcon because you saw the Millennium Falcon in the trailer for yeah, crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, and it so, was, they, they, they left the planet in a piece of they garbage. Left, they yeah. left the planet in a piece of garbage. You know, and then you've got a, <laughs> a, a, a destroying vessel that's a planet. Mm-hmm. We got that. Ooh, you know? <laughs> we knew that anyway from the posters. And it successfully destroys a planet. We got that. You know, and we've got the bad guy who's, you know, Sith or Sith wannabe. Okay, we got that. And we've got the, the final battle, which results in the destruction of said planet. We got that. We've got the Moss Eisley con Cantina uh, equivalent. We got that. Mm -hmm. It's just so much of it was actually just... Star Wars, and the I original got, Star Wars. I don't I, want to call it the fourth, uh, A New Hope because, you know, damn it, it's Star Wars. I, I got my wish as well. What? I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, they had so many things thrown back to fans. <laughs> there was so much fan love there. 
you know, b between, I don't know if you caught, but on the, the one scene when John Boyega is on and he's reaching into this sack and he pulls this little ball out, it, it was just like, it was like on two seconds on the screen. Well, that little ball was Luke's testing thing from oh, Star Oh, yeah, Wars. yeah, of course it was, yeah. Yep. And then, you know, he activated that, that chess table or whatever. It was like, wow, there's a lot of fan service going on here. There is a, bad a lot of things that people have been pointing out um, that I didn't actually notice. But these are people that have probably seen it three or four times already. Uh, one of them was that, um, you know, we've pointed it out before, but when they got to the castle, they had all the flags up and there was the mm -hmm, uh, right. Mandalorian uh, oh yeah, there was a lot there. of uh, there was a lot of speculation on the wall. On that one. Was a poster for the five hundred first leech. Nice. <laughs> a little bit of uh, fan service for them, which um, was uh, pretty cool. Um, there's lots of different references to to a new hope. There is there's so many. Um, I, I, I don't know what we can say and what we can't to be honest. I mean, I don't... There's really only one one or two major things in there that would be like, oh my god. Okay. Did that just happen? But I mean, so, I think a lot of it, it's just... We, we, it, it's neat things that they threw in. Like, okay, like the one scene where she's eating her food and they pull back and she's resting against the foot of a fallen ATAT -AT walker. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that was cool. You know, I like that. that ruin that, anything. That, it was a nice, it was a nice bit of fan service. That food that she was eating, that, that, that was liquid neat. stuff, and it turned into that kind of bread. It was yeah. like, wow. It was gross, but it was neat. <laughs> it's like, um, no, what is that gray muck? It's it. Oh, that, that was a cool effect. I like that. <laughs> um, one of the ones that I found out today that I didn't realize, which was. Um, we know that Finn is a stormtrooper, okay? Yep. And his ID number was uh, FN2187, mm -hmm. which we mentioned, we have mentioned that in the previous podcast when right. when they were play, uh, I played in the sound of his figurine, which was mm -hmm. a talking one, and he does mention FN2187. So that is his, um, his ID number. But 2187 is the cell block that Princess Leia was held in in Star Wars. Cell block 2187. Yeah. There's a reference right there. I, I guess if they named him FN1138, that would have been a bit too obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, 2187. Yeah, I can hear Han Solo saying it right now. <laughs> nice. There's so many little things. Welcome aboard the International Space Station. I'm Scott Kelly, along with my Expedition 46 crew members, Tim Copra and Tim Peake. And we have a message for all of you for the holidays. First off, we'd like to say what a privilege it is to serve on this International Space Station and how grateful we are to the teams on the ground that support our flying here, as well as all the science that's on board this laboratory. Christmas is traditionally a time for friends and families to get together. And although we can't be with our friends and families this year, we'll be orbiting the Earth 16 times on Christmas Day and sending all our good wishes to everybody back down on our beautiful planet Earth. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and happy new year from the International Space Station. Let, let's just tell everybody, there was no Jar Jar Rejoice. <laughs> Did you Have you been seeing those posts on Twitter about... Um, 
uh, Star Wars hoax spoilers. Hoax spoilers? Yeah, hashtag hoax spoilers. God, no. I can only imagine uh, what they come up with. It was like, you want to see what they did to Jar Jar. <laughs> well, actually, J.J. Abrams did say, he did joke about... Um, putting like Jar Jar's bones somewhere in there just to see if anybody would notice them. He actually did joke about that, but I don't think he did it. Hmm. Interesting. Because that would have been his... Well, he he knows... He's a fan, too. So he knows how much he would have gotten mocked if Jar Jar had actually been part of this movie legitimately. That could have been his way of mocking the Jar Jar character, though. Maybe, but I think so many of us would have just been like, Dude, get him off! That it wouldn't have mattered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's the bit where um, Ray touches uh, Luke's lightsaber. Right. Uh, And she hears voices. Now, Mm -hmm. according to something I read... um, you can hear Ewan McGregor um, saying, Ray, these are your first steps. But at the beginning... I heard these are your first steps. I do remember that. Uh, I don't remember that. I I didn't... But, I mean, they had so much going on at that time because she was just being flooded. Uh, I actually do remember hearing hearing that, but I don't recall it being specifically him. But apparently, the beginning of the phrase of the word Ray is actually the voice of Alec Guinness taken from a line when the late actor said the word afraid, and they took the bit Ray to make it sound as though she heard the young uh, Obi-Wan and the old Obi-Wan at the same time. Oh, wow. That's cool. I might just have to buy another ticket to see that. <laughs> and also, they say that the chest that the lightsaber was in was actually the same chest that uh, Ben Kenobi brought out the oh. lightsaber in the first place. Yeah, I never made that link. That would be <laughs> cool. So, I just well, wonder, I mean, how did, how did she get hold of that? So. How did Maz get hold of that lightsaber? <laughs> Well, yeah, but did you notice she said flat out, that's a story for another time. So it's like, oh, they just intentionally deflected that one. Here we go. Here we go. Yep. Very good character. In fact, I just read this a a few hours ago. Supposedly, the, or at least a, a, a much stronger hint as to how they found it was supposed to have originally been included at like the very, very first sequence after the scrawl. But uh, obviously that didn't take place. But supposedly, from what I understand, that was supposed to be. But I, in a way, I kind of like it better this way. Yeah. It's a bit more mysterious. Forces us to wait till the next one, which is only 580-some days away. <laughs> yeah, in the meantime, we have got Rogue One, so hopefully that's, that's going to yep. be good. So, just wait and see. But I'm quite yeah. looking forward to that anyway. I, I just... Will we get to see these boffin spies? Yep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, that was for the second one. Mm-hmm. So, but this movie's for the first one. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually interested in seeing this, too. So, I, I'm still lamenting that they completely got rid... Well, you know what? They didn't completely get rid of the extended universe because they actually took bits of the extended universe and integrated it into this mm. into the, and that's now canon so I don't know maybe 
maybe we'll still be able to see Grand Admiral Thrawn. Well, I tell you, like that. You know, they they well, they said they were getting, as you say, get rid of some of the old canon. But they have mentioned in Star Wars Rebels characters from Shadows of the Empire. Ooh, so, nice. Mmm, that's interesting stuff. Nice. That was a great Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good book too. But uh, <laughs> I never read the book, but I played the hell out of the game. <laughs> well, during one of the fight scenes, Kylo Ren received a scar on his face, which apparently is in the same position that Anakin Skywalker got his in one of the prequels. Interesting. I don't remember him. I mean, he he definitely took some hits. Yeah, he kept. I don't remember that one. He, when he got that, uh, he, he took quite a yeah, bad hit. <laughs> Uh, to his side, and I noticed he kept hitting it a lot. Yes, I was wondering what that was about too. Hmm. I, I was like, what, "What? What is he doing?" <laughs> yeah, because he did that two or three times, didn't he? Yeah. Whether yes, it, I, I was wondering that too. It's like, why is he hitting himself? Whether he's got some armor there that he was just trying to put back in place or something, I don't know. But yeah, but, he, he took a nice beating, but still, we'll see him again. Yep. I, t- I was a bit disappointed with um, Captain Phasma a bit. Didn't do very much. Exactly, yes. That that seems to be a very common complaint, that they made her come out to be this real badass stormtrooper, and they really didn't do anything with her. Mm. Maybe, well, we don't know what happened to her, whether she, she, she was okay or not. I'm really hoping she survived. I uh, want to see more of her, of that character. So who knows? Maybe she ended up being the pilot to get Kylo Ren off the planet. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I would really be disappointed if that's all we see of her. I, 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 for the amount of exposure she's been given, I can't see that. I can't see that either. And the, just the potential for what she could be is just it's huge. <laughs> Not to mention her, her physical size is huge, but yeah, that was that was a very common thing that a lot of my friends on Facebook and Twitter said the same thing. It's like, you didn't really do anything with her, which which would have been really cool to see. Uh, one of the other things that was pointed out was, you know when um, Finn rests on that table and it turns out to be the, the hologram chest game? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that is exactly the same position in the game where Chewie and R2 were playing in Star Wars. Yep. So nobody's played the game since. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one too. Which, again, there was a lot of fan service because J.J. Abrams has said he's been a fan since he was a boy. So it, it doesn't surprise me that he would throw that stuff in there as well. Obviously, it's, it's no no secret that uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter was in in the uh, mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, there's there was that one scene where she's standing right behind her. Yeah. I even pointed it out to my wife. I was like, that's her daughter. And she's like, oh, wow, that's cool. And uh, yeah, no sign of Daniel Craig. No. Mm, no, everything that I've been reading was he was one of those stormtroopers, and he had a speaking line. Oh, hang on. I just read something here. The stormtrooper. And yet another throwback to the original Star Wars. Where a mind trick was played. Yep. That's the only thing about about Rey that is kind of like, wow, what's up with that? She seemed to get a grasp of the Force 
really quickly. Which I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing because maybe she's just super extra gifted. I don't know, but she just seemed to really come into control of that really quickly. And on, also, according to this, uh, Radio Radiohead's producer was also one of the stormtroopers. Yeah, I read that too. <laughs> that's okay. Simon Pegg was in there too. Yeah, he was the guy that was dishing out the um, those, those crappy rations. Yeah, we well, we saw him in that uh, behind the scenes uh, mm-hmm. footage. And it was quite a big, puffy, padded-out costume he was wearing. Mm-hmm. And I looked, and I thought, that's about the same size. <laughs> Even knowing all of that, and I will admit, that, that whole really, really, really big spoiler, we can both say that I called it. Yeah. And I've been calling it. But even at that, it was still like, boy. Um, I kind of, weird. from that, I kind of guessed it was going to happen. Oh, yeah, even I, my wife. I, my wife said, because she didn't know. And she was like, yeah, the way they set up that scene, well, you c- kind of knew. I kind of didn't believe what was happening in front of me. I, I yeah. just couldn't take it in at that but, point. But, I mean, you know, I, I knew what it was before I even saw the movie. Because, you know, some idiot spoiled it, and I was like, oh, whatever, it doesn't bother me, and I went and verified it. And you know what? It didn't faze me. I still love the movie. And even that scene, I knew exactly that scene where because it was in the trailers as well, where the X-Wings are coming blasting over the uh, lake. Yeah. You know, once you identify where that happens in the movie, and you're all of a sudden, it's like, incoming signals, incoming signals. I I just got chills. I got complete chills because I was like, this is going to be amazing. My, and that my, was an amazing sequence. My, my first words were when I knew that point was coming was, here comes the cavalry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great scene. The whole movie is just... One of the best compliments that I can pay to any movie is that it was, what, two hours, 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. It didn't feel it. No way, no way. It did it not. Was, the pacing was so well done. It was very fast. It was, a, it was a great mix of action and drama, action, dra- lots of humor in there, too. A that lot. was a funny movie. John Boyega, he, he was very quick on the humor, I thought. He, oh, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff between him and uh, Harrison Ford were mm-hmm. spot on. The stuff with him and BB-8 was oh good God. as well. I mean, when he sort of like <laughs> behind Ray's back, sort of stuck his thumb up, and uh, oh BB-8 yeah, that was did awesome. <laughs> um, BB, oh my, what can you say about BB-8? He is so damn cute. Yeah, and just the way that he can move his head the way he does, the, those parts where he was being sad. You could just hear the whole theater going, oh, because just that he was able to emote that, even though he's just a robot. And, you uh, knew he was sad. And, and like R2, there's certain beeps that he makes that are almost human-like, mm-hmm. uh, where he sort of goes, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that movie was just amazing. And I guess the, the only gripes that I have is that it, it replicated A New Hope a bit too much, which, again, isn't necessarily a bad thing. And there just there just wasn't enough of Captain Phasma. I, I really wanted to see more of her. I want to know what this fascination with red is. Red. With, well, what with three like PO's, 3PO's arm, PO's arm and the red bit that's on the new Tie Fighters. There's there's got to mm. be some reference there, and yeah. it's, it's obviously well, going to be in the, the extras. Eventually. <laughs> It'll be in the extras probably. Yeah, really. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I don't doubt that the whole thing with the red, because three PO even made a comment about his red arm. He'd love to have his his. his he'd he'd love to get arm. rid of the red arm or whatever. Oh, you probably wouldn't recognize me because I've got a red arm. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? No, we know it's you. Although I did notice his voice seemed to be a lot higher in in range than the originals. Mm. 
it, it it's almost like he was breathing in a little bit of helium when he was doing the voice <laughs> which i don't know i just maybe it's just because i've been watching the movies for you know almost 40 years mm-hmm. but it just seemed that his voice was a lot higher which i was like i wonder if there's something going on with that because normally when you get you know when you get older your voice gets lower it gets a little bit gravelly hello harrison ford yeah. but um his actually his voice actually seemed to go up higher I was like, that's awkward. Oh, and the only other thing is when R2-D2 comes to, that seemed to be very random. I, I looked into that a bit, actually. I, I think it's because there was presence of the Force. Could be, but, I mean, he's a droid. I can't believe that he has, has, has Force sensitivity. But he's probably been around Luke so long that you know he, he's gone into this kind of electronic coma because because mm-hmm. Luke's gone missing oh no no come on it's a low power state let's let's, <laughs> let's take care of the movie here it's a low power state and uh, you know how they say people in, are in comas if you play the music they can sometimes hear it and then come out of the coma right a similar yeah. thing with the news of this other thing being found so that they can piece it together and it, it brought him out of it could be could be you know I, I don't know how he could have gained any kind of force sensitivity but you never know maybe they'll explain that at some point mm-hmm. hi there it's marcus innuendo bingo from spitball and nfl talk here i just wanted to wish all the guys at the garbage pod and all your great listeners a happy merry christmas take safe guys what I really would like to know, though, they made it really clear, and and we're not discussing any kind of lineage or anything, but Kylo Ren really did not like Han Solo. At all. At all. It's like, what the hell is their backstory? Don't spoil the whole thing with it, but I mean, what, what happened between those two that made him hate him so much? Yeah, he's got some beef with him that big time. He does. He's got a really bad, big beef with them. And it's like, wow. How did he even knew that he was on the planet, even though Han has no force sensitivity whatsoever. It's like, whoa. And then he went after him. Yeah, but the difference the difference between him and and Leia, for example, she hasn't seen him for years. And it wasn't as though, you know, where the hell have you been? You know, there was right. none of that. If that had been in reality you would have you would have felt the ice. You sure. would have felt the ice. But there yeah, wasn't. There, there was any. definitely no ice there. But yeah, that's why I'm just like, wow, he really does not like Han Solo. What happened? So I'm hoping that they explain that unless unless there are a series of books coming out that are supposed to bridge the gap between Jedi and the Force Awakens. Um is it gonna be in in there? There is a book, I think. Aftermath. That's the book that I think is from Jedi to The Force Awakens. Yeah, so I'm wondering if that covers it. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. It's like, Han Solo is here. Like, okay, yeah. And then he went hunting him down, you know, or, or looking for him anyway. It's just like, what? Wow, there's, there's a lot of hatred there. There was absolute yeah. venom there. Yeah. And he has got such a temper. It's not true. Oh, I God, mean, that scene was awesome. When he started just... When he just trashed that control center with his lightsaber. <laughs> he saw, the, saw the, the grooves in it after that lightsaber had gone through No it. wonder he's on the dark side. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was... I'm just watching that like, oh my god, that officer is dead meat. 
and just like no but you can see even in that officer's eyes it's like, like I'm dead I, I'm I also like the, the second time when he had that temper tantrum and those stormtroopers were going in to see him <laughs> yes. and they heard what was going on and they went we're just okay. going to turn around and walk away <laughs> <laughs> I love how they didn't even look at each other like what's going on it was just like oh yeah we're just going the other well, way. we're used to this uh, <laughs> he's, he's doing it again <laughs> It was a funny movie. A lot of good points in that one. I'd go back and see it again. And the 3D was phenomenal. It was. Um, I was Considering that it was post-production, mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams has said he's not a real big fan of 3D, whoever did that, I'm guessing Stereo D did that. Yeah. But uh, they did fantastic job. That one scene where just the Star Destroyer was taking up the whole scene. Yeah. The, the whole screen, and it's just pointing out at you like I looked at that like wow that that was one of the main point out bits because I was because mm-hmm. you know you're so used to the old school 3d where it's like oh let's point a stick at someone that oh, yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. and the only point that actually did that was when Ray was holding that lightsaber and it was holding it out and it was like right yep that's coming out at the screen yeah, at me. Yeah, that though I mean there was actually a lot that was projected in front of the screen just like a, just a little bit, not too much, just mm-hmm. enough to add something to it. But then, like, when she's in the empty Star Destroyer, mm-hmm. and it just goes way back. Yeah. That looked great. i tell you what, even what looked great as well, and it's so basic, was the was the, um, the, the scrolling text at the beginning. Yeah. You had the stars <laughs> in the background, and yep. the text rolling across the screen, and it looked so good. <laughs> it did, it did. And the, the, the only thing that I, I couldn't get my head around, because I thought as soon as the music starts up, I'm, I'm going to start getting tearful. That's what I thought. Because I'm expecting to hear the 20th Century Fox fanfare at the start. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, you're right. You know, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I will say this, though. One thing I did notice about the music, that I don't know why... And I, I don't want to put this as a complaint because it's not really a complaint. The music was lackluster. Even that opening sequence, that, that scrawl, just, it didn't seem to have the power of, of the original episodes. Or the episodes, yeah, the original trilogy. It just seemed like it was a little bit more subdued. And even at that, I was kind of disappointed because when you look at all of the original series and even a couple of the prequels, there was almost always a moment where the music was was almost a character in the movie. That, that's one thing I will say about the, the prequels. There were some great music in those. I mean, I mean Duel of the Fates Duel from Fates The Phantom Menace. Amazing. Oh my, that was brilliant. Uh, and uh, Across the Stars in Episode 2, which was the, the love theme between Padme and, and Anakin. Right. Yeah, there were just so many times piece. in all those movies where the music just stood out and it was like a character on its own. There was nothing from this. Hmm. I can't remember any bit of any music that stood out. Well, I've actually heard on Radio 3, BBC Radio 3, before I went to see it on Saturday, uh, there was a show on on there. Radio 3 is more of a um, classical music station, and they were playing a show about music in movies, and they decided to do Star Wars. And, Imagine uh, that. They went right through the entire saga, ending on 
obviously The Force Awakens, and they played this tune called The Resistance March, um, which is the piece of music they played as the X-Wings were coming across the water. Mm. And um, that is a really good piece, but because there was so much going on, you didn't really notice it in in the movie. I guess, but even then, I, I still hum the music... Maybe just because I've seen it so many times for like the original Death Star battle. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just so strong and it was so powerful at that point. And then you've got the music for the asteroid chase and Empire Strikes Back, Yoda's theme. There are just so many bits that that stick out that as soon as you hear it, you know exactly what that is. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't. I just didn't. Ca- well, oh my God, Darth, the, the Imperial March from Empire Strikes Back. I don't know that there's a piece of Star Wars music besides the theme song that's less iconic. Uh, but the cantina music, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I think more people recognize the Imperial March than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get any of that from The Force Awakens, which is disappointing. But I mean, it didn't ruin the movie at all. That movie was just—it was so good. I, I kind of liked the music that was played in the in the castle, though. The kind of the it was kind <laughs> of like a reggae dub kind of thing going on there. I just read an article about the guy who actually wrote the music for that, and he's actually a rock music composer, if I remember. Really? I, can't, oh, wow. I think so. I can't remember the details on it. Or he's like a, uh, a a popular DJ. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I can't remember. That was a cool sequence, though. I, I did like that whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I can't remember the name that, of the character. You know, the, the one who was in charge of that. Uh, played oh, Maz. By Maz, yeah. Yeah, she was cool. I liked her character. I, I, I like those glasses that she can adjust them. <laughs> and, uh, and well, one... just the fact that you could tell she was a very good-natured person. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, your droids can't come in here. Rawr. And she had a thing for Chewie by the sound of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where's my boy? What did she say? Where's my boyfriend or something like that? Yeah, where's my? Uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly what she said. <laughs> it's probably like where's my dreamboat or something. Yeah, like something that. like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a just such a good movie. And you know, knowing that it was filmed in thirty-five millimeter, mm-hmm. with some sections being filmed in IMAX seventy millimeter, if that is made available in three D on Ultra HD Blu-ray, now that that's finally a thing. That just might be my tipping point to getting an Ultra HD TV. It just might do it, because it really looked that good. Right, I think I'm going to play a, a little bit of music in, because um, this is a Christmas show, after all. And it's from uh, a friend of the show. She actually does a lot of the uh, voiceovers on um, on the Garbage Pod. And if you, if you listen at the end of our shows, there's a, there's a, a woman on there telling you our email address. And uh, it's Laura LaRue. She uh, sent this in for us. And uh, have a listen to this. Hi, this is Laura LaRue. And I just want to tell Mark and Adri, I'm thinking about you guys. I'm sending you love and hugs. And uh, I hope you, your families, and the entire Garbage Pod audience have a spectacular holiday season and a smashing new year. And I'm really looking forward to the Garbage Pod in 2016. And now it's going to be awesome. So much love, you guys. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a Christmas track of mine that's aptly titled This Christmas. I'd like to start again. Whisper little things in your 
This Christmas, I've got a feeling of um, the Bangles there a little bit. Yeah, now that you mention it, a little bit of Susanna Hoffs. <laughs> little, little bit. But she's a really good singer, and uh, she's always been there for us, and and uh, one of our biggest supporters. So it was great to receive a, a song to play in from her. She's always done something for us every Christmas. Uh, every Christmas has been different. Uh, of what she does for us, so um, we're always appreciative of what she does for us. Um, so, so that's a uh, garbage pot exclusive. Yeah, pretty much. Very nice. So, what else has been going on out there, John? Oh, I mean, really, it's all just been it's Star pretty Wars. much Star Wars. I mean, there's been so <laughs> many uh, things on Facebook and oh, uh, yeah. on Twitter and all kinds of different bits and pieces. Uh, that's been going on. I mean, even Neil deGrasse Tyson stuck his two cents in, you know. he. Uh... Yeah, but you know what? He was completely wrong on one thing, and I'm, I would like to see him 
admit that he was wrong, but I don't think he will. Not not that that's anything against him, but he's got better things to do. But he made a comment about uh, how basically BB-8 couldn't happen because he... Let me get the exact tweet. In Star Wars The Force Awakens, BB-8, a smooth rolling metal spherical ball would have skidded uncontrollably on the sand. Okay, 100% wrong because BB-8 is not special effects. They made that thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, the uh, Star Wars Twitter feed responded saying, BB-8 is very much a real robot with puppeteers. There were a few that uh, there were a few of them that did different sequences, and then they linked to one of their videos that show, you know, the puppeteers and so forth working with BB-8 on the set, mm-hmm. and actually moving around and going around the desert. So there's one where you can say Neil deGrasse Tyson was completely wrong because he's not. A smooth surface as such because he's got all those grooves and things. He's got all those grooves and I wouldn't be surprised if if even they had smaller textures outside of that mm-hmm. that you just couldn't see on the camera. You know, that, that surface might not have been smooth, it might have been maybe actually slightly rough. Because he also was not it's not like he was a shiny sphere, like you, you take a silver ball, you know, or a highly polished metal ball, and you can see look at how shiny it is. He wasn't even really shiny or anything. No. So I wouldn't be surprised if they made, you know, knowing that he was going to be in sand, that they didn't make him totally smooth. And, you know, again, just the fact that they have lots of behind-the-scenes footage of BB-8, the robot, actually just going around through the sets and all of that. So, yeah, sorry, DeGrasse Tyson, you were wrong on that one. Mm-hmm. It was a, a good video. I've, I've put it up on the... Um TGP nominal Facebook page of this guy in Canada who's actually built um, a full-size BB-8 from scratch, and it works really well. Well, I mean, there's a what? There's a site out there called How Does BB-8 Work, or something something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And it's not the real thing. They're speculating on how it works, but when you look at what they're talking about and how they're showing the internals of what it might be like, it's actually not that difficult. I mean, you've got a, a very heavy motorized base inside of it on roller wheels, motorized mm-hmm. wheels. And what they're speculating happened is that there's like a, a neck or some kind of mechanism that goes straight up. And that is just a really powerful magnet. And then the BB-8 head up top is its own separate motorized thing that just connects with that magnet. And it's got its own caster wheels and motorized wheels. Mm-hmm. And that's how that one maneuvers. But the magnet, I mean, yeah, there are some magnets out there that are just ridiculously powerful. Oh, yeah. So it really wouldn't take much to have that thing just be held on the top like that and then have the relative position of the head magnet be used to position, you know, make them look down and look up and turn and so forth. I mean, I'm sure it was way more difficult than I'm making it out to be. you got to program the gyroscopes and, and all that. I'm, I'm sure there's probably links on the Droid Builders Club. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised thought. if someone there's already made one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be coming to a convention near you at some point and uh, I will be having my photograph taken with it. <laughs> The uh, box office numbers have come out. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, that movie has crushed so many records. On Thursday night, we had the preview here in the U.S. That alone brought in $57 million. Mm-hmm. Globally, so you figure this is over, what, four days? Dep- I guess depending on how the calendar falls. The Force Awakens has brought in $529 million worldwide wow. on its opening weekend. So it is now the biggest opening weekend ever 
uh, and it just barely bested Jurassic World, which had 524.9 million globally on its opening weekend. But so th- that movie made over half a billion dollars in one weekend. One weekend. And it's funny, if you look at the, the stuff domestically for here in the US, <laughs> the second and third place movies each brought in something like 14 million. <laughs> There's no comparison. Pretty poor, isn't it, in comparison? (laughs) Well, one of them was flipping Alvin and the Chipmunks sequel. Oh, God, give me a break. I mean, really? I didn't even know there was one coming out, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And then another one, I I can't remember the name of it. Shoot. But whatever. But still, that came in third place. Again, 14 million. So this movie just dominated. And I know a lot of people who said, yeah, I'm going to go see this again. As I say, the guys at the comic shop, Ian and his team, they were there on opening night, three minutes past midnight, when it went out. Uh, They actually went to see it on on IMAX. They went back the next day to see it in normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they went back again to see it in just 3D. So they've seen it three times. So nice. And I wouldn't put it past them to, to go back a, another couple of times. And they were there with the guys from Joker Squad who were dressed up to the nines. I mean, Dan, the guy in charge of Joker Squad, he was there dressed up as Luke Skywalker in <laughs> his Bespin outfit. Okay. Um, I don't know if they've actually got a First Order Stormtrooper in their ranks yet. It's still a bit new. I'm trying to think if there's anything new besides the helmets. I would assume that the outfits themselves are somewhat different. I just didn't really take notice. That um, Starkiller base was pretty unbelievable as a weapon, really, because, I mean, how it got its power. Yeah, it's fiction. I mean, sucking the energy out of a sun. Yeah. (laughs) And then using it to fire. (laughs) (laughs) If Superman can change, you know, can make time go backwards by rotating the the Earth the opposite way, then why can't a Starkiller base just take the energy from a sun? Come on. <laughs> was, was that like, was that Coruscant that got I don't destroyed? Know. When they when they um, fired the weapon for the I, the time and it split. To, I don't know. It looked like Coruscant. It did, but they didn't say that. I mean, it would make sense because that's where the Republic was. Mm-hmm. But it's just like yeah, they didn't. I didn't hear them specify it. But I that was one hell of a weapon, though. Because it did, like, what, five or six planets at the yeah, same time? Yeah, it wiped out a whole system. Was Unbelievable. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. That, and you know what? I'm, I'm glad that they also finally explained why they had, God forbid, a black stormtrooper. <laughs> God forbid. You know, that just boggles my mind that people were even thinking that that was just unheard of. And, and, uh, and Really? Why? It, I, I mean, people will say, said to me, well, how comes there is a black stormtrooper when they're all supposed to be clones? And I went, well, they're not no. supposed to be clones. That's the whole point. It, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them still are, depending on if they age or not. No, I don't you think, think they would have done. Cause... 50 years beyond that it was 50 years beyond the clone wars so don't you think that by now they'd have people who were either conscripted or joined voluntarily well you would wouldn't you because even in episode four um people were joining the empire because they wanted to do their bit for the the empire 
and they had the academy, didn't they? You could join the academy. Mm-hmm. And actually, Luke was going to do that. He wanted right. he wanted to join until he found out the truth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, granted, this is the alternate universe that is no longer canon. But if you've ever read the Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. they talked about how the you know the crewmen were mixed men and women and so forth, but they were young, you know, and a lot of them joined because they wanted to. And there were things that Thrawn did where he earned their loyalty. I you don't liked earn, him. That doesn't happen if you're conscripted or you're forced to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I was, it was really good that they finally explained that. Who was it? Was it Mara Jade was part of that, wasn't she? she mm-hmm. was, yeah, um, she, she was in the Thrawn trilogy. Mm. Yeah, because she, she was... Uh, well, you know, there are a lot of rumors on that one, too. Because... We never are told who Ray's parents are, mm. and she's force sensitive. So let the rumor mill start on that one. And seeing as how they clearly, for for certain other characters, well, not even just characters, but in some ways, they also still took from the from the now non-canon extended universe and implemented them into the Force Awakens. Gets the rumor mill started. Oh yeah, yeah, it certainly does. And 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 so much for that uh, Amazon leakage. Uh, about Amazon. about Finn being Lando Calrissian's son. Yeah, yeah but you, yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they still link that up, though, mm. because they said flat out he was basically kidnapped as a child. Yeah. So you never know. They might still try to link that one. Yeah, they may do. Because you saw the bit with Ray when she was a kid, didn't you? Because she was mm-hmm. sort of like dragged away kicking and screaming and, and right. stuff. Just, I don't know. You know, it's just, yeah. You know, regardless, I'm just glad that I wasn't part of the people who were in the, oh, where is it, the Arclight movie theater out in Hollywood. I heard about that. <laughs> Three <laughs> times, wasn't it? broke down multiple times. Wasn't there one where it, um, I, I heard where something went wrong with it and it actually kicked to near enough the end and it sort of like spoiled the Not end. Not so much that, but it, it, it definitely kicked some of them were saying it kicked off like 10 minutes ahead mm-hmm. once they finally got it going and then it broke again and then it skipped ahead another 10 minutes or so <laughs> it's like wow now granted first world problems did you hear about that but, one i think also in california i think it was in bakersfield um where some kid came out of the um the theater uh went past the queue or the line of people waiting to go in and see it and virtually told them what the ending was I would have killed him um, basically some guy dressed up as Boba Fett hit him and the kid called the police and the apparently the police officer said if it had been me I would have hit him as well <laughs> uh, it's still an assault charge though but oh well you never know that could maybe that was grounds of uh, mental cruelty <laughs> again I'm not one of those where it's just like, eh, spoiler, don't tell me. But when you are intentionally going out and making and ruining it for others, for whatever your justification is, you're a jerk and you need to be hit. Yeah, you, you don't go and do that. I mean, people have spent their hard-earned money to, to go and watch this movie. And uh, and to just go out and intentionally do that is, yeah. you know. I mean, do you also go around telling people exactly what you bought them for Christmas? No, <laughs> you don't do that. 
You know, so why would you do that with a movie? Especially one that you know people are looking... Granted, some people take their movies way too seriously. Mm-hmm. But still, you don't do that. Knowing that You're doing that knowing that you're going to be making someone else miserable. That's just a real jerk move. That's a, my other half. She doesn't like Star Wars. Although, saying that, she's seen five out of the seven. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't like it, but I've seen most of them. Um, a, a lot of them she didn't really want to, but I did. So it was that kind of situation. Uh, and there was one where she... I think it was episode three where she went with her friend and I went with my friend and we're all sitting together her friend and her and and herself were talking and throwing bits and pieces at each other and uh, I shushed them (laughs) and she came out of that cinema and she said you shushed me (laughs) I said Star Wars Nice. Actually, I, I gave my I gave my son and youngest daughter a very stern warning. You go you can go into school today. That's fine. You talk about those big spoiler points, and you will be punished when you get home because you will be ruining it for some people. And uh, and that you know, that's just one of those things I, I just told and I told them this morning too. Don't you can say you saw the movie. You can say whether you liked it or not. But you start talking actual actual points that could ruin it for someone, you will be in trouble. Now, one one thing I will say to all the people out in, in the Twitterati and and uh, in, and Facebook, <laughs> thank you, because I didn't see any real spoilers out there. Everyone I, that I was involved with did their best not to um, spoil it for people. Yeah. Um, I saw a few. Like I said, that that really big plot twist mm-hmm. did get spoiled for me. But again, it doesn't ruin anything for me anyway. I'm not one of those people that are just like, "Oh man, why'd you tell me that?" It just, oh, right. I was just like, "Oh, really? Hmm. Okay, whatever. That's all." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, that that regarding that really, really, really big plot point. Yeah, I actually was like, you know what? Let me go see what Twitter says about it, and I did a search for it. And I actually had to scroll down a little bit before somebody just blatantly said what happened there, which so, was surprising. You know, I, I do you know, take my hat off to, to them. I think we're a big family. That's what it is. That's what it is. Hey, everybody. Uh, happy holidays from NASA Edge. Yeah, it's good to be on the garbage pot. Nah. Christmas. Yeah, I like that festive robust. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Have a great holiday season and and just uh, be safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. be safe. Yeah. And also, if you're interested in unique gift ideas, um, we do parties. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, you can download episodes of Garbage Pod and NASA Edge. They make perfect digital stocking stuffers. You guys have a presenter over there for Channel 5. I hope I'm pronouncing her name properly. Sean Welby? I know what you're going to say now. The, oh, man. I, I assume you saw that clip. The weather forecast, yeah. That was <laughs> brilliant. That was... Some of them were a little bit of a stretch, but for the most part, that was just 
That was hysterical. Actually, I think um, we'll play that in. Go for it. Hi there. Well, it's another unusually mild day today with a layer of cloud covering the UK. But if you look farther west, you will be seeing a glimmer of sunshine if you're lucky. However, there will be a fairly light breeze. The force is strong, though, for northern Scotland. And then tonight, the weather strikes back as a deep area of low pressure pushes in from the west, creating storm-like conditions for Northern Ireland and Western Scotland. Don't be a trooper. Please take care on the roads. Could be difficult driving conditions. Now, if you're forced to awaken early tomorrow morning, it will be on the dark side, but as you can see, fairly mild, with temperatures in double digits. Far, far away towards the southeast of England, there's a new hope for some sunshine developing in the afternoon. We've done things like that in the past. Uh, We had uh, an interview with um, our England soccer team and uh, at the press conference that they gave um, they decided that they were going to um, try and fit in as many Beatles tracks as they could in the interview <laughs> <laughs> which was quite funny nice <laughs> but no that was really not uh, good of her to uh, try and uh, squeeze in as many references to Star Wars as possible and she did it such, with such a straight face, too. <laughs> that was the impressive part. She, I mean, she was smiling the whole time like a, a weather presenter would, but she was just straight-faced with it the whole time. And I was just like, you go, girl. I hate that <laughs> phrase, but that's all how I felt. It's like, that was awesome. Impossible, <laughs> wasn't it? That was brilliant. Now, uh, obviously, covering different things that we we do on, on the show. I mean, I know this is our sci-fi one. Uh, but we, I would like to say a big thank you to uh, Richard Garriott uh, for uh, sending in the photograph of him in his flight suit with um, his TGP nominal mission patch. Uh, it, it is a really good photograph. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's well, it's on our honorary. Uh, Member, uh, crew members page and it's also on Twitter and Facebook and <laughs> everywhere else basically um, and we got a lot of people retweeting that mm-hmm. a lot of people retweeting that photograph so well, of course it's Lord British come on <laughs> so I'm hoping yeah people might take a look at it and go what is this and, and look us up and with a bit of luck, they might be listening now. <laughs> that would be nice. Welcome if you are. So, yeah, that was that was great. Uh, had a little uh, Twitter chat with, uh, with with Richard. Uh, wished him Merry Christmas and everything. Um, so that was good. Uh, it, all all the, the message that I got from him was, better late than question mark. <laughs> He's so busy, I'm sure, trying to get Shadow of the Avatar going and, and all of that, so... Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been... Um, he, he was in France for a little while, and then he's been doing a few uh, conventions and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he has been pretty busy. Um, but uh, hopefully he'll come back on the show again next year. Um, I've, I've opened the invitation to him, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Cool. That that would be very welcome. And uh, as I've kind of mentioned in the last show, I'm, I'm making arrangements as we speak uh, for 
uh, a guy who was actually in uh, The Force Awakens um, to come on the show next month. That's true. He can now talk about it. He has been talking about it. He's he's actually been putting up photographs of his figure, his Star Wars figure. Nice. <laughs> and he's collecting all his merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool to have your own action figure. Well, did you see the the video or the photos of John Boyega had like an eighteen inch uh, Han Solo? Oh, when he got into Stormtrooper outfit, and he actually had Harrison Ford sign it, and the look on his face was just one of a little kid having his greatest wish coming true. Did you hear about the story about him taking Harrison Ford out to dinner? No. Whilst they were filming it in the UK, obviously you've got the catering trucks and and, Mm -hmm. uh, usually it's like chicken and really boring things, you know. And um, Harrison Ford said, I I want something with a bit more oomph, a bit more flavour, a bit more punch to it. Well, you see, John John Boyega is uh, from Nigerian descent. And in south-west London, where he's from, there are quite a few Nigerian restaurants. So he said, I'll take you to one of my old haunts. So in comes John Boyega into this restaurant with Harrison Ford. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that caused a little bit of a stir. Just a little bit, because I had no security with them or anything. It was just the two of them walked in. Oh, wow. I'm sure they're... That they're used to it at this point. They've got. Did you see the videos of uh, John Boyega in um, Brooklyn? He was just oh, showing yeah, up to various, various yeah. showings. That was cool. That was neat. And just to see the the, the one woman turns around and sees you like, what is it? No, what? And she <laughs> just gets up. She's like, ah! oh my god! <laughs> but he, that's cool when it because it's. He's a fan among fans now. Yeah. Which which just makes it that much cooler. He, he was talking about... Um, he, he was on a chat show the other day, and he was talking about when he first found out that he got the part. And uh, he said, I, I didn't tell my mum and dad, but I told the taxi driver that was taking me home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he eventually told his mum and dad, and they, they'd never heard of Star Wars. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> They were like, yeah, okay. You got and he said, but it's Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're getting paid for this, yeah? <laughs> so that was all they were interested, that he was getting the paid work. Wow. You know? <laughs> yeah, he got paid. Just a little bit. <laughs> and he got a massive... He's going to be getting paid a lot now from conventions and stuff like that. Even the small guys are as well. Yeah. Like my... Uh, the guy I'm talking about uh, who's coming on the show mm-hmm. um, he's only really just started getting into the, the convention scene now he's in Star Wars whoa yeah <laughs> things are going to pick up a little bit for him now I mean not saying it didn't pick up before because he's been in some quite big movies mm-hmm. so, so you're not going to give us a, a hint as to what his character was well um going to save that until next until we exactly yeah because um, I'm not, right, I'm not 100% enough. sure the name's character but I know where Ow, where okay. he was uh, all I'm going to say he was in the castle that he so was he, one of the so people he was in, one of the aliens in the uh, in Moss Eisley version 2.0 yeah okay 
uh, along with Warwick Davis. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot he was in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at least no, not as an Ewok, folks. Don't worry. No Jar Jar, <laughs> no Ewoks. Just imagine an Ewok in there. They'd eat, they'd, <laughs> eat it, they'd eat it for breakfast. Well, you know, that was a very heavily forested area. Yeah. That anyway. was another good thing. Uh, the, 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 uh, the 3D... Uh, oh yeah! That that scene in the forest, the, the individual trees—they were mm-hmm. that was awesome. Because as I said, this this was my first ever three D movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Is it just that you've never had an interest in them, or they're just not that big over there? Uh, they're big over here, but I'm I can't. Uh, well, we've we've discussed this off air before, where you were telling me about that you can take one lens from one set of glasses yes. with another to make. Um, 3D back to 2D again, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm going to have to invest in doing because uh, my other half can't oh, see that's 3D. Right. That's right. Well, you you can get them online kind of cheap too. The problem with doing it yourself is that a lot of times those plastic frames are pretty heavily glued. Mm-hmm. So people have already started doing this. You can at least in in dollars you can buy them for like ten bucks. Right. Which, granted, I mean. Over here, you get the 3D glasses when you pay for the ticket. Uh-huh. But they don't give you a 2D option, which kind of stinks because, you know, you can easily make the 2D glasses. And for anybody who's not aware of this, if, if you hate 3D movies or you just – but yet your friends love 3D or whatever, and, or you just can't see it very well, uh-huh. all you have to do is get two pairs of – especially like the real 3D glasses. That's the, that's the brand name, Real 3D. Because the lenses are the exact same shape for both left and right, you simply take two pair of them, you you carefully break the, the front piece case open, then you take the left lens of the one, of one of the pair of glasses, and the right lens of the other, don't change the orientation at all, so you know, don't flip them, but, but switch them over into the opposite ones. And then seal the case back up, you know, seal the frame back up, and then you'll have two pairs of 2D glasses. One of them will filter out only the left eye, the other one will filter out only the right eye. So that 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 at least, you shouldn't have to go through that. That should be something that they make available to you. But, you know, at, at least it's better than not being able to go see any movie. You know, supposedly some people don't even have 2D showings in their area, which is kind of weird. But, uh, and I guess you guys said that you said that uh, over there, you guys actually have to pay for the glasses separately? Yeah, you do, yeah. Well, see, you know what? I don't... Honestly, I think I would rather that way of doing it. Because, I mean, here we get the higher ticket prices regardless. And I don't doubt that the fact that they always give you a pair of glasses is part of it. I mean, yes, there's licensing and there's, there's you know, trying to get back the money from upgrading the hardware. I get that. But I've got a 3D TV. My glasses are fully compatible with those, you know, with those kinds of uh, movie screens. Why should I be charged extra if I can bring my own pair of glasses? So you guys actually have it a little bit better. You get the cheaper rate, and then if you need the glasses, you pay for them. Yeah. But at least this way, you you spent, what did you say, it was a pound for a pair? Yeah. Yeah. So you you pay two pounds... You get two pair of glasses, and you just flip the lens, and so then, well, okay, I guess you have to have three pair then. So then you keep the 3D for yourself, and then she gets one of the 2D. Mm-hmm. 
So that's not too bad, as long as you don't cut yourself and bleed all over the place. That's the thing. Um, (laughs) My my only um, problem with the 3D setup is because it's dark in the cinema Mm -hmm. and the glasses are quite dark as well. Um, Could they have adjusted the brightness slightly and maybe... They're supposed to. That's the thing. They're supposed to. They're supposed to be showing it either brighter than usual or what a couple of theaters do over here is they'll actually have two projectors showing it on the screen at the same time uh, to bump up the brightness. Because it depends on how it's being shown. In the old days, the way they used to do it, because I used to work at a theater, we would actually have a lens that we'd put in front and both the left and right images would be in every frame of the film mm-hmm. and it would project them both onto the screen but it would be using the same bulb but still just from that way it, it was projecting it with the same thing but we had to have a, sil- a genuine that's why it's called the silver screen because it actually had pieces of silver on it Yeah. so that way it would reflect more light back nowadays they don't do that because it's expensive so the result is that they have to either show the the projector at a higher brightness but that burns out the bulbs faster mm-hmm. and cinema projector bulbs are freaking expensive they are very expensive um, so what a lot of theaters are doing is they're kind of bumping down on the brightness so that they don't wear their bulbs out as fast but unfortunately that means it results in a dimmer picture but I mean the real 3D appropriate spec that Hollywood has been trying to come up with means that you have to bump up the brightness somehow to compensate for the darkness of the glasses. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It sounds to me like maybe your theater just wasn't doing that. Yeah. It's it, um, it, it a tiny bit dark, but uh, it didn't uh, stop the enjoyment of the movie, which was the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen somewhere, I could tell that they were using two projectors, but it was one for the left side of the screen, one for the right side of the screen. Because this was with the Green Lantern, which I don't care what anyone says, I enjoyed the movie. I understand the gripes against it, but as a popcorn flick, it did its job. But uh, the left side of the screen was fine. The right side had really bad ghosting, and you really couldn't see the 3D. So I was like, that's kind of weird. And I ended up going out to the manager and saying, yeah, you got something wrong with the 3D projector on the right side. And the one, the one guy who was working there was saying, see, someone else is seeing it. I told you there was something going on with that. <laughs> so, whoops. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky to show 3D and, and to get that on the screen and get everything calibrated and so forth. But it wouldn't surprise me if they were just simply trying to skimp out on the bulb. Yeah, that's probably about it, really, I would have thought. Um, the other thing uh, in 3D that I thought was really cool uh, and then this this is no spoiler. Well, we've seen Darth Vader's helmet uh, yeah. on the trailers, but when they showed that in 3D, that was just really cool. You could see all the ridges in it and where it had been all crumpled up and everything. It just yeah, it looked so good. That's what I mean. I I am not a fan of conversion. If you're going to show a movie in 3D, I'd rather that it be filmed in 3D. But they did a fantastic... I guess it's just a, a testament to how mature the technology has become to do that. Mm-hmm. They did a really, really good job. I mean, like I said, when you can look inside that hollowed-out Star Destroyer, and it looks like it's going way out into the distance. Yeah, you can, you can 
kind of gauge how big that thing is. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, that, that lake scene where she's just staring out over the lake like, wow. I mean, but that's, I mean, that's also, she was such a good actress on that one that she had just seen, she'd seen trees for the first time in her life, really. Yeah. And then just that scene, and it's just stretching out into the distance. I was like, that is really good. And then that Star Destroyer, oh my, that blew my mind. Yeah, that was really good, that bit. Yeah, and, and for anyone who didn't see it, this is just, it's a scene in space where you've got, for some reason I almost said Darth Maul, and I have no idea why. <laughs> it, Kylo Ren's Star Destroyer is just out in space, but it took up the entire frame. It was perfectly framed, you know, uh, but the thing just stuck out from the screen. That was just, wow. Really, really good job on that. Yeah, it was... Um, I think it is the closest thing you've got to the, the first scene of, of A New Hope where that where you first saw one of those Star Destroyers for the first time and, and it just seemed to go on for miles and miles and miles. And, and That it, would be amazing in 3D. <laughs> that and the trench run. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wouldn't that just be... Those would be amazing. That's why when they said that, oh, yeah, we're releasing Phantom Menace in 3D, I was like, ooh, ooh, please let this be popular enough to get up to the original trilogy. Please, please, please. Because you figure the that opening scene plus the uh, Death Star Trench run. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I also think in Empires with the, the bits on Hoth... Yeah. Oh, and the asteroid chase? Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be great? The asteroid chase would have been phenomenal in 3D. And uh, with Jedi, of course, the final Death Star battle, but also the forest chase. Oh, on the speeder bikes, yeah. On the speeder bikes. Yeah. Oh, that in 3D, mind-blowing. Uh, that would be a ma- an amazing um, shot. So, um, I mean, I'm... I'm kind of, I understand why they did the Phantom Menace first because well let's face it the trilogy was nothing but CGI mm-hmm. so that'd be easy to convert to 3D um, but I really was hoping that they'd get to the original trilogy because there's so many scenes that would be phenomenal in 3D Hey guys, it's Steph Ez from the Stemulus YouTube channel, wishing you and yours a very happy holidays. For any of you thinking about spoiling Star Wars for your fellow geeks, I hope you get nothing but a monstrous lump of carbonite in your stocking. See you in 2016. Um, I'm just looking at the shots from SpaceX at the minute. Uh, I'll just switch it on to see what's going on, because they're actually showing the live broadcast now. Uh, and it does look like they're going to try and land the uh, first stage tonight. Nice. Let's hope <laughs> the third time's a charm. Yeah. Um, I just saw the you know the legs on the side of the of the uh, of the rocket, so I'm thinking, uh, so they're going to try and land it tonight. Awesome. So this will be interesting to see if this goes right because this is the first time that it's. They've launched a Falcon 9 since the explosion in June. Didn't they originally say after the explosion that it probably wouldn't have another launch attempt until next year? Uh, yeah, um, I don't know what happened there. I knew about the other launches that were going on, but yeah, the, to hear that SpaceX was launching another, I was like, wait, what, what, what? That's 
early. Well, we've got what well, there is one coming in in January actually for the uh, for the resupply. There is, mm. but this is um, Worldcom two launch. They've just shown a piece of the, of the, on the flat on the factory floor, and uh, there's this guy just standing there. I'm, I'm not too sure if he's supposed to be there officially or not, but uh, <laughs> he's doing his best to get in on the on the live uh, feed. <laughs> nice. There's a lot of people starting to clamber around now, so it's like yeah, imminent. <laughs> uh, did you see what I've done, by the way, with our uh, launch pad? Did you see the changes? I have I've made? not. Then I've now got a um, a launch window on there, so you can see the dates of different launches for that for this month. Uh, and what I've done is. Uh, if you click on the information panel for each of the launches, it will take you to the website of the people that are supplying the launch. But after the event, uh, it will take you to replays of the actual launch, so you can watch it again after the launch has taken place. Ooh, nice. That's something I wanted to do, and uh, I've got round to doing it. <laughs> so it's got all the December launches. There's, I think there's one more launch before the end of the year just after christmas i think i think it's the 26th or 27th i think there's um a progress launch just yeah just keeping an eye on that whilst we're doing our thing i think uh, yeah. i'm gonna uh, yeah, i got it running uh t-minus 45 seconds yep i like that little progression chart that they've got on the bottom to show you where liftoff is and where the various stages take off yeah that's pretty cool isn't that's it? pretty neat i like that t-minus 10 Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All right, go on, baby. Got my fingers crossed right now. Yes, absolutely. Come on, please make it. Oh, there's a fair bit of smoke. <laughs> Already going 200 kilometers an hour. It's amazing. It's amazing. Isn't it? The power of those things is just—I I don't understand how people can look at that and just be like, "Yeah, okay." There's just so much going on there. I mean, th these are the kind of people that will sit there and watch NASCAR. Don't get me started. <laughs> Do not get me started on NASCAR or its fans. <laughs> that said, I have utmost respect for the drivers and crew. Oh, yeah. That cannot be an easy thing to actually perform. But, uh, yeah, don't don't get me started on, on the uh, <clears throat> observers. Already going 1,000 kilometers an hour. This is Michael Hammersley, materials engineer. Wow. I'm going to walk through some of what you're seeing and hearing as the vehicle continues to ascend. You can tell that we've had a successful liftoff initially. The Falcon 9 has cleared the towers. Uh, can we make up? 1,500. <laughs> it's just... It's just silly, isn't it? The speed the power that they're traveling. That is the one thing about seeing it at night. All you can do is see the flame. But still, look at that. 2,500. <laughs> the whoop every yeah. now and then. <laughs> I guess stage two is getting ready to kick off. Yeah. Back 
So quick. The problem is we're not going to see it come back down, are we? No, probably not. It's going to be pitch black, I guess. Well, they didn't. They haven't shown any of them actually live, have they? Not yet. Approaching shortly. Oh man! It just crossed five thousand kilometers an hour, and yet, according to that chart, it's that's only like one fourth of the speed it's going to do. <laughs> if that chart is any indication, there it goes. Main engine cut off and separation. Oh come on! You can do this, please. Listen to that crowd. Look at that crowd. That's huge. <laughs> There's every employee there, isn't it? <laughs> you think? <laughs> Everyone is phenomenally excited. Uh, yeah. Look at that thing glowing, though. It is. It's, it, and you figure the camera, the camera probably dimmed down a lot just mm -hmm. to get that. So imagine how bright it really is going. I mean, that is literally white hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if this lands, that'll be one in the eye for Jeff Bezos. Again, we talked about this in the last show. You can't really compare the two. No, you can't. They're so different in what they're doing and, and the design. You know, he intentionally made his easy to land. Mm -hmm. This one, not so much. I think that is Elon Musk all the way through. He never wants it to be easy. He always wants that challenge. Well, not just that, but I mean, I'm sure that just for proper delivery... You know, he probably... It was probably done that way intentionally, you know, just to make it launch correctly, I would think. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess he could have made the base wider if he really wanted to. It just says on the screen that uh, the first stage has uh, cut out so many of the engines to... Uh, well, you know, to, to, to bring the speed down of the, of the, of the first stage. So I'm assuming that's the second stage engine we're still looking at then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm traveling at 6,000. Yeah, I mean, that's going, like, easily more than one kilometer a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just mind-blowing. That is just mind-blowing. That could be between the between New York and London in less than an hour now. That's just amazing. I mean, we used to think, you know, with Concorde that, you know, you could do it in, what was it? Four or five hours? Four or five like hours, yeah. Because I remember when they used to talk about the, um, you, you remember the original Band-Aid um, single? The, mm -hmm. you know, Bob yep. Geldof from uh, Mid-Jure. Um, there's a, um, a story about um, Boy George had been asked by Bob Geldof to appear on the record and he'd forgotten all about it and he was in New York uh, and he'd been out on the town the night before so he had a bit of a hangover and uh, Bob phoned him up in New York and said you're supposed to be on this record today and he said but 
blah 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 you know I'm not in a fit state to do it and he just said just get your butt on Concord and get over here for the recording <laughs> uh, and he, he made it with like minutes to spare and uh, he wasn't in a really good state when he arrived at the recording studio <laughs> uh, didn't have any rehearsal time just went straight in did his line and he was finished and he was <laughs> <laughs> 8800 and accelerating amazing come on give us some information well, it's going to take a while for that thing to come down I mean is it at the bottom it says experimental landing I would assume that's what they're talking about the stage one landing and we're we still got a while to go for that. Yeah. Although it's moving really quickly to that point, <laughs> that that uh, gauge at the bottom is almost like one of those, you know, on the on the batteries where you so. Uh, there to check how much life was left in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, have you noticed how their coverage has evolved since they've started doing these launches? I mean, it never used to have all this information oh, no. on the screen. Well, you know, just like in with uh, watching the shuttles launch back in the 80s, they could only get so far before the camera just couldn't zoom in anymore. Mm-hmm. And now the cameras can pretty much track it until it's completely out of sight. Have you seen those things, though? They're, they're, they're almost like... Well, they almost look like some kind of cannon, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Those, those, those lenses are just amazing. But, uh, yeah. And, you know, and then, of course, you've got this. And I remember the first time NASA had uh, high-res cameras on the space shuttle boosters coming back down to Earth. Everything from from takeoff to separation to landing in the ocean. And I used to watch that so many times just because it was neat to watch. thought for a minute then with all the cheering that they'd actually achieved it yeah but uh, 20,000 kilometers an hour <laughs> god that's amazing that's a novel way of putting it yeah And they're actually showing a pencil on a diagram. Nice. <laughs> that cheering. Oh, it is about time for the landing. Oh, my God, they're showing it. Holy cow, they're showing it live. Oh, please, please land, please land, please land. Come on. Stay up. Stay up. Come on, come on. They did it. 
Oh my god. Now granted it's not on a barge, it's on land, but they freaking did it. Now this isn't uh, an exclusive to the podcast because we've, we've never done anything like this before. An actual live launch on the, Look on the at show. That. that is amazing. Jeff Bezos, it's your game now. What can you do? I know, I know. You can't really do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that was awesome. I am just completely blown away by that. Look at that. And it's just standing there like, yeah, okay, guys, it's all cool. I'm here. What's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> that crowd is going nuts. Rightfully so. Look at the one guy egging them on. Like, come on, cheer more, cheer more. <laughs> is Elon there? I can't see. I don't know. I loved it the first time they actually got the dragon to, to fly and uh, he came out to, to the crowd and all you could hear was the whole crowd going Elon, Elon Oh don't start that Are they doing it now? No they're doing USA Oh don't do that come on guys really <sighs> Whatever I mm. That annoys the hell out of me. Uh, well, there you go. Stage two is just under 26,000 kilometers an hour. Just under that. That's really fast. <laughs> thinking on this why, why do they need to do it on a floating surface why can't they just do yeah. it like they've just done it I think it's much that, easier yeah I'm, well that might have also eh, I don't know maybe it, it's just because if it launched from Florida that would be the easiest place to retrieve it where did this one launch from Florida did this launch from Florida as well yeah um, I think so so I mean if they launched from California then I could see returning it back on land, but because they've got one, well, that's, they've got one here all that long when it separates, and it is powering itself back. Nobody, yeah, you're really, right. You're right. Nobody, Why not do it on land? Nobody really cares about your primary mission right now. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you're just sending something into space. They don't care about that. It was the coming down that they care about. <laughs> oh man, and they did it. And we live tweeted it right. Well, kind of live. I don't want to say live tweeted. Did I really say that? Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> head. Uh, so it is a first for us to actually have a live launch on the show, and I don't think I know of any other podcast that's actually done that. <laughs> but the podcast itself isn't live. Well, we I know, we but do, anyway. uh, do you know what I mean? It, 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 the, the fact that we were recording whilst uh, the, the launch happened, I, I don't think I've heard that on a recorded on a podcast before. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. And history has been made. That was sweet. Yeah, <laughs> certainly was. That was sweet. 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. So, I think that would be a good time for us to wrap uh, up the show. That's a good really. high note for us to say it we're is, done. Isn't it? <laughs> So all I can say to everyone is keep tuned to TGP Nominal and the Garbage Pod. And, and widescreen.org. And that too. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got some great stuff coming to you in the new year. Well, not in the new year, but throughout 2016. And um, it's been a great year for us. And uh, long may it continue. I'd, I'd like to thank... John for for being with me all the way through this journey. It's been a, it's been a hell of a journey. Our first full year, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, yeah. Well, and thank you for inviting me to come along on this journey. Well, I, I know it's something that you feel passionate about uh, for both sides of it, the, the sci-fi and the uh, <laughs> well, sci-fi and technology and gadgets mm-hmm. and everything else that goes along with it, and of course the space stuff because. It is just phenomenal. And so that's that's why we should be TGP phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. But that was bad. That was really... I, I'll see myself out now. <laughs> so thanks again, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll speak to you all again in the new year. Toodles! Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Be sure to visit www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com Because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find a link on our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages and don't forget to spread the word about us. The Garbage Pod is a spam head production. Ho, 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 ho.